0: If you want to win the game, you got to yeah. take a good aim And get the most marbles with your hippo
1: Playing
0: hungry, hungry hippos hey. Hungry, hungry hippos hey. oh, Welcome to the hungry, quarter to three movie podcast the the For the game. movie, Transformers, the, the Last Night. Hey. My name is Tom hippos. Chick, I'm here with Christian
2: Moronsky <laughs> And
0: with a last night Tagline:
3: Kelly wand. Just ignore the CG parts. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I have backups. Just, like, right, wait, just uh, like Michael Bay has backups, like Pain and Game. Um. Finally, a movie about a character who either can
0: fly or not. Well, oh, that but that is decisively so. In my three by three for favorite <laughs> flying vehicles, I chose Optimus Prime. This oh yeah. Definitively answered debate we had about whether or not Optimus Prime can fly. Gravity had failed, maybe he was just floating. No, he flies. He has jets in his foot has- in
3: his feet. Like and- Arts D2, only, yeah. only in the prequels. All did right. you say
2: in his feet?
0: Nope, I did not. Kelly Juan, what other taglines do we have for Transformers The Last Night?
3: That's a weird combo is sword and flight, but I guess Wonder Woman also has the same combination. Uh, Wahlberg's <gasps> best since new kids on the block. I don't know if that's true. Maybe I should rewrite that. Okay.
0: What else do you got? It. Feel it. Bore than meets the eye. <laughs> See, it's a... Yeah, that's you're, you're using their tagline against them. Just ignore the CG parts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Taglines.
0: Alright, well, Dingus, without spoiling anything for the listeners, because maybe some of them, uh, and according to... Well, maybe some of them have not seen it, so don't spoil Transformers the last night and give them the basics, Dingus. <laughs>
2: Alright, this week we saw Transformers colon, The Last Night, like K'Night, in case anybody was wondering A 2017 American Science Fiction Action Hasbro Franchise sequel movie About having two chosen ones And two doodads is better than Having one chosen one and one doodad It was directed by Michael Bay and written by Art Markham Matt Holloway Ken Nolan with story credit by those dudes, and Akiva Goldsman. It stars Laura Haddock, Isabella Moner, Ugh. Stanley Tucci, Tony Hale, Anthony Hopkins, and Mark Wahlberg. Transformers: The Last Night is rated PG thirteen hmm. for violence and intense sequences of sci-fi action, language. And some innuendo.
0: <laughs> Sounds about right. Kelly, Wan, did they miss anything? Oh, Ben
3: Foster's here because uh, Backstage West called him the Transformer of Actors to read us what he found objectionable in Transformers. Hang on. <laughs> a woman wears a dress that shows mild cleavage. Another character jokes about her taking it off. A girl describes a transformer as her boyfriend. What, One barely—that's that, objectionable. <laughs> why is that objectionable? Oh, sorry, Ben. Go ahead. <laughs> For children, Tom. For children.
2: Oh, he addressed you correct directly, Tom.
3: Wow. One barely audible f-word said by a robot. When a machine says it, it's not as bad. (laughs) Some religious exclamations. (laughs) One character is seen to drink and is described
0: as a drunk. Some serious passive voice there. (laughs) He's seen to drink. (laughs) Hear it.
3: Do not hear him swallow, but you see him tilt the cup. To his lips. Children could have seen it. I don't remember anything else that happens in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Ben.
1: Have a Uh, nice flight.
0: Transformers The Last Night opened at number one with $45 million, which is actually the lowest for the franchise. It's been going downhill critically as well. Uh, The Metacritic... (laughs) which is the average rating for various <coughs> reviews, for this one was 27. And if you start at the first one, they, they go down like 10 points each time. So Beautiful. that means oh, the, next, the next one's going to be somewhere around 12% probably. Uh, speaking of 12%, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 15% positive, meaning 15% of all the reviews are like, yeah, that was, that was fine. That was good. So like I got to do with 12. Not well, 12. they're teens. They're both teens, Callie Wand. 12 is a teen? Yeah. All right. That's a good point. <laughs> teen for between 20 and 10. That's what teen means. Yeah. All
1: right. It's so a three-point
0: spread. Uh, cinema point. score. Speaking of A, yeah, fine. That was all right. Yeah, fine. Okay, good. Cinema score. Idiots gave it a B plus. Of course they did. Oh, that Prim- was the idiots saying that. That's that's the – If any movie that's worth spending your Friday night has to get at least a B plus. Generally, movies get an A. That's kind of the rule, but sometimes you know maybe idiots thought it was a little long or they were a little confused by some of the physics with that whole swinging bit the so they gave it a b plus instead of an A.
3: it's using an academic system that they would always get fs in in school to grade a movie, like wouldn't they just go one to ten or something
0: that's actually okay. one Kelly one you I think you're joking, but that is one of my uh one of the reasons that I contend that cinema score is. It gauges a reaction from idiots because I feel very seriously that this whole idea of grading something, setting yourself up as if you were a teacher judging someone's work is fundamentally flawed as a way to gauge critical reaction. Anybody who gives a grade to like a game or a movie or a book, right up, you've screwed up from – the very paradigm you're using is, is screwing up the process, I think. I think it work for statues though. Grading statues? We just go <laughs> B+. plus. If, if you look at Venus to Kelly, one, if you were an art teacher and you yeah. were reading the statues that your students had done, sure. But the whole idea of a grade implies a student teacher relationship. And I think it's really dumb. We're consumers of entertainment. You know, we're watching a movie. We're not, we're not teachers who are in to their
3: movie students. be
0: the Who is?
3: The dummy, the idiot.
1: No, going, no, no, they're giving we're, the grades. Oh, I see.
3: You're saying they're becoming teachers. I see what you're saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, and I feel the same way about people who use letter grades for reviewing games and, and stuff too. I think it's, it's fundamentally once you're using that system, you you're set up a paradigm that's that's completely inane.
3: I feel. I think it'd be fair if the the movie people, the filmmakers, got to grade the audiences back. In another thing.
0: What would you give the audience if if you had made, if you were Michael Bay, Kelly Wand, what would you give the audience of Transformers the last night?
3: Well, if they me and they give Transformers the last night, a B plus, I give them a C minus.
0: Fair (laughs) enough. All right. I see how that (laughs) works. Which is my real review of Transformers. Well, Kelly Wand, let's actually have a synopsis before we get into your review. Yeah. Why don't you give us a. Do the whole alphabet. uh, What's that? We're going to do the whole alphabet, not just A's and B's. We're going to have whole words. All right. Well, yeah, rock and roll. Give us, give us words about Transformers of Last Night. Is that your guess for what it's called? It is. <laughs> words about Transformers of <laughs> Last Night. That is my guess for what you're doing for this synopsis. Transfopsis the lorpsed canipsis. <laughs> I like that way better. <laughs> I got a good feeling about this on Kelly Wan. I'm just saying. That's what Michael
3: Bay said, so. Transphopsis, the lorp's Canipsis. Warning, the following is based on a screening seen in two languages that I don't speak, German and 3D. <laughs> Six of the film's screenwriters assured me it wouldn't matter. And one usher. I paid for um, English, too. Anyway, King Arthur fights cavemen with catapults. So I'm, I saw this in German, just to reiterate. So this is what I think they said during the movie. And what was going on? I had to figure it out. German film projectors always break when they try to show them an American. So this is what happens. It's dedicated to the theater. King Arthur fights cavemen with catapults. Caveman bodies bloodlessly fly off-screen in slow motion, all of them landing on Jaden sitting beside me. <laughs> oh. Is it <that> too soon? <laughs> he doesn't deserve that. I used to start to watch a movie. That seems kind of mean. King Arthur looks at John... But great 3D. King Arthur looks at John Cleese and goes, Which battle is this from the Mythos? Mordred? Lancelot's all, I don't know what we lost. They find themselves surrounded by cavemen with smudged faces holding spears. Arthur's all, don't worry, these foolish extras shall just stand here till Merlin climbs up a mountain to a cave and comes back with the best friend a knight ever had. (laughs) An old man Michael Bay thought looked like Merlin stumbles cursing (laughs) up some poison ivy. (laughs) I hope it's Merlin. Sure, you know.
0: Me and Dingus and Transformers Age of Extinction are very disappointed in you right now, Kelly Wand.
3: What? Oh He's in that? Uh, the Merlin guy looks, goes up to a giant exhaust pipe set into the green screen. He's all, oh, uh, Mighty Cave, I play Medieval Wizard in Transformers 5. A giant red man comes out and gargles at him. A few hours later, a giant CG dragon shows up, breathes fire nowhere near the caveman, and <laughs> knocks them down while a metal CG badge hops onto King Arthur's arm and flickers dimly for a second. Raising Excalibur, he's all, full robots! The knights fight till nothing happens, then sit at a round table in some ruins and raise swords, along with some giant trolls that walk up, join them without saying anything and also have <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't need the dialogue. Understand? Well, so far, other than refusing to acknowledge Stanley Tucci, everything is accurate. Yep. Oh, he's Merlin. Yeah. Jesus.
3: Well, what do you? Well, <laughs> <Hold> that thought. <laughs> I might have been confused on a couple other things. Some words are all sixteen hundred yarn and later. A murder of movie kids stare up at an electrified chain link fence with a sign on it that says Chicago destroyed one of the Shia ones. No kids <laughs> allowed. <laughs> the fat, stupid kids all, fuck, I wonder how we're going to get through this. Cut to them through the fence, walking around the ruins of the Chicago sets from the third movie. One of the kids is all, whoa, rubble, this is the happiest day of my life. Another kid climbs up a pile of landmines and peeks down into a giant toilet bowl. He's all, hey, guys, there's a mummy in here. I'm sure this is a crossover. <laughs> Suddenly, some RoboCop 2s show up and start shooting it. <laughs> <laughs> the blind kid's all, Run! Meanwhile, in a garage, a soldier with a headset looks over at a guy with a beard and goes, hey, Gary, the three kids you had by your first wife and the two by your nanny are running from robots on my TV screen. (laughs) Gary. The dad's all, damn it. I bet I sound like such a tool in German. Get the Jeeps. Let's go take those kids out. Suddenly, the (laughs) robocops chasing the kids stop so a Mexican girl can drape some piss jugs over their heads. They explode and shake their fists. The plucky Latina skips up to the boys and goes, come with me if you want to not die. Michael Bay worked on that for three weeks, and then watched Terminator. My name's something Hispanic. A blue garbage can with headlights for eyes and balls walks into a lamppost and (laughs) (laughs) bleeps
0: and bloops. Kelly One, that's the new mascot. That's the adorable sidekick for the term, the Transformers franchise.
3: Yeah, I know. <laughs> they need a new number five. Let's introduce that guy. <laughs> like crank it, up. take the wheels off. The Latina rolls her eyes and goes, "That's oil spill." He'll be our C-3PO till Anthony Hopkins' Metro Butler droid shows up. <laughs> who never turns into anything. (laughs) Suddenly, more robots start shooting at them, so they have to run again in slow motion for a bit. (laughs) Suddenly, Mark Wahlberg walks in front of an American flag and goes, Somebody say being another of these? (laughs) He throws a jar of his farts that makes the Robocops lose interest and scamper off giggling. The kid with two heads is all, Who are you, Mr. Wahlberg? My character's name in this is Cave Yeager, but my friends call me Kate. And this is my black friend Urkel. He's cowardly. The kid bleeding out gasps. What did you do in the last movie again? Wahlberg's all. So that's why I moved to the ruins of Chicago, where nobody's allowed, because I'm a farmer. <laughs> Although I see this as the spiritual successor to my science teacher and The Happening kids yawn. One's all, no offense Dr. Wahlberg, but I wish we were running away from CG again instead of listening to you. Wahlberg nods understandingly. Suddenly the bearded dad character shows up along with a bunch of jeeps and shoots at everything, then surrounds them. (laughs) (laughs) The bearded dad's all, damn it Wahlberg, stop rescuing my kids. Suddenly Bumblebee runs up playing MC Hammer. The bearded dad and his troops shoot him to pieces. (laughs) The seat beside me in the theater transforms into dingus, stands up, <laughs> pumps its fist, and goes, Mechanized! <laughs> Darn it, what is... <sighs> it's Michael Bay. <laughs> they introduced an oil spill, and that happened. Things B plus. Bumblebee reconstitutes himself and shoots all the soldiers, making their bodies fly through the air in slow motion onto Jaden again, even though he moved to another seat. Wahlberg's all, what's wrong with you guys? Shooting robots with handguns only works when I do it. I made this gun here myself out of toys. I'm a farmer. <laughs> Bumblebee starts playing a new kid's song. Wahlberg glares at him. Suddenly, King Arthur's metal disc of CG flies on screen, crawls up Wahlberg's arm, down his back, sinks hooks into his balls and attaches to his taint. The kids lose interest and wander off, except for the Latina girl who decides to move in with Wahlberg. <laughs> when they get to his trailer she points at a photograph on his fridge of a blonde in lingerie bending over and goes who's this blonde chick she your granddaughter why isn't she in this movie (laughs) Oh, the actress turned 17 so she aged out of a michael bay franchise huh just kidding that's my character's daughter i murdered her and made beer out of her clothes hey tranny He snaps his fingers at a baby CG Rex he lives with and goes, Bring me a bottle of the worst beer in the fridge. The dinosaur brings him a Bud Light. (laughs) Also, stop shitting screws all over my pillow. That goes for you too, little girl. Oil spill walks on screen, beeps twice, makes it sound like a rotary phone dialing, then a modem connecting. Everyone sighs irritably. Shia nudges me and goes, That character's based on me. (laughs) They walk outside and watch a bigger CG Rex vomit a car. Wahlberg's all, that's a 2011 Prius. Two Transformers with beards and machine guns walk up. One's all, don't worry, we're in this. The other (laughs) one's all, mine's the one smoking the cigar. Michael Bay stands up from the front row and goes, yeah, I didn't show smoking in Pearl Harbor, because in that case, I wanted kids to see the movie. Eventually, he sits down again. Wahlberg sighs, climbs a billboard, sits on it, gets out his cell phone, and punches in his daughter's number. Her voice is all, you've reached Wahlberg's daughter's voicemail. If you're hearing this, I'm dead, and my dad used my clothes to make beer. Please don't let my death go unavenged. He so sighs, sadly, and hits buttons till one ends the call. We cut to a piece of CG floating in space that looks like moldy sliced apple chunks slowly coming apart. <laughs> Some words at the bottom of the screen are all Planet Cybertron. <laughs> Me and Duke- <laughs> Me and DeGrasse Tyson are all.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> the jocks and skateboard teens and Transformers cosplay sitting nearby give us hurt looks. Come on, guys. It's cool tiny blue cg transformer grandma floats around a giant <laughs> robot in chains cackling. Heh <laughs> <laughs> Well? Are you Optimus Prime or Megatron? I forget which one's which.
1: <laughs> the
3: robot's all Me too. <gasps> His chains electrocute him. Although robots are powered by electricity, for some reason he doesn't like this. <laughs> Then he's all, please, these chains make no sense. I'm a transformer. If you pull my arms off, I can just reassemble. Eventually, she's all, silence, except for me. Someone off screen set our destroyed planet's course for Earth. <laughs> Once we find King Arthur's sword and park our planet on top of Earth, Decepticons will rule something for an inconsequential interval. <laughs> The captive robot's all. What's the deception part referred to? I mean, if deception's in your name, then you're being
1: honest. Ow, oh, please stop, fuck. Ugh.
3: She's all, I didn't electrocute you. Meanwhile, in a desert, the boring soldier character from the first couple movies who was on that riveting show about Las Vegas security teams now has triangular graying hair. He sits at a table next to the bearded dad character and a couple secretaries <laughs> in a desert, while a giant homicidal <laughs> 3D) movie. Michael Bay putting all on the screen all every single. My imagination is on the screen right now while a giant homicidal black robot with a sword snarls at all of them. The hair guy's all, fine, whatever, Tron, just promise not to play roulette at Caesars anymore. You're too good. Now, since we're evil, I mean, you're evil, (laughs) since you're evil, we're going to give you anything you want. Specifically, other evil robots we somehow captured now housed in penitentiaries alongside much smaller human criminals. So, which one's you interested in? The robots all. Keyboard! (laughs) The bearded dad's all no way keyboard's way too powerful he 's out of control. no there 's a flashback of a robot with a mohawk robbing a homeless shelter and cause being an old man. The uh. black robot sub sad with his sword hair soldiers all okay, since you just tried to cut sand with a giant sword i 'll meet you halfway. <laughs> Colonel, let keyboard out of Rikers. who else the black robots all jumper setting. <laughs> Bearded Dad's all, Jumper setting? Are you crazy? Can't let him out. Which desert is this? There's a flashback of Jumper setting, Crank calling Kushner and drunkenly falling into a wedding cake.
1: <laughs>
3: I guess it's a montage. Uh, it's a uh, police footage. That's what it's supposed to be. Hair soldier's all. Yeah, we never imprisoned him. Who else? The black robots all. Fax machine head. <laughs> bearded Dad does a spit take. There's a flashback of a nurse walking into a hospital waiting room, carrying a small bundle up to the bearded dad. She's all congratulations, it's a boy. He's all Aw, who's who's ba ba ba? He takes the small bundle from her, looks down, parts the blankets, and gasps in horror. Then he looks over at his buddy Fax Machine Head, smoking a cigar beside him, does another spit take, tears up and goes, Bro, you and Gladys? Oh, it's the happiest day of my life. Aw, oh, look, he yeah, has his mother's tits. In the desert, the black robot's fallen asleep. Hair soldier's all fine. Actually, let's just let all the evil robots out, save some time here. Meanwhile in England, Megan Fox is now British.
1: <laughs> he stands up.
3: she looked really good in this by the way like exactly how I remember I thought she'd hit the wall really hard but I was wrong and that British accent was fucking spot on it's actually really good seriously amazing I didn't think they were going to work together yet this was really exciting to see her on there Megan Fox is now British. She stands at the front of a packed classroom of snoring undergrads at Oxford and goes, and that's what all the giant robots did on Earth between King Arthur's time and the last three movies. <laughs> wait, four. Seriously? Jesus. Now you're all expelled. She walks outside, gets into a car, sits in the front seat, fishes through her purse for the keys, and goes, wait, I don't own a car. <laughs> Suddenly the doors locked and the car shoots up down the street, running down an old woman and a vicar. Some cops and cop cars, disguised as robots, chase her and kill a bunch of people. Her screaming starts to annoy the car, so it puts her in the trunk. <laughs> Since the car's dumb, the trunk's unlocked, so she opens it and sticks her head out. She yells at a Lamborghini. All the other drivers ignore her. Meanwhile, Wahlberg gets bored, so he flies to England and walks out onto a street. Urkel walks up to him. Wahlberg screams, draws his gun, and goes, Urkel, what are you doing in London? Aren't you worried about apartheid? Urkel's all, uh, we came together. I sat next to you the whole flight. (laughs) Suddenly, some Vader TIE fighter toys attack them. (laughs) (laughs) Obey. Wahlberg and Urkel run around screaming till one shoots Urkel through a wall headfirst into a toilet bowl. Comically, his smashing through the wall didn't hurt him. Wahlberg laughs and goes, that thing shot you right in the stomach. That was awesome. I guess the ammo's just CG. (laughs) Urkel wrenches his shit-covered head from the bowl and goes, first time I've had my head in one of these because of robots. Suddenly, a French robot walks up to them and goes, oh, this way, magnifique. He opens an elevator door. They step inside. Suddenly, one of the Vader TIE fighters appears. Rams Wahlberg hard enough to smash it through the elevator's glass wall and flies around buzzing while Wahlberg dangles from it and shouts, Someone call 411 and text my daughter's voicemail describing all this. Hurry! No one does, so he rips off a valet dies his way down to the ground while the TIE fighters fly off to annoy another pedestrian. Bumblebee and the two bearded Transformers walk up, both of them now smoking cigars. A nearby penny farthing bicycle turns into Tweaky. It's all, beady, beady, beady. <laughs> Wahlberg's all, watching me fighting miniature robots not turning into stuff must have been intense. Tweaky and Oil Spill regard each other disgustedly. Since the Transformer cars are out of gas, everybody walks to a castle where Anthony Hopkins limps out onto a lawn, smiles at them with his skull face, and goes, Yes, I didn't want the worst thing on my resume to be Freejack. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my sidekick. A German World War I tank rolls up behind him and does nothing. Hopkins brings Wahlberg into his study and goes, Only a few people that I have paintings of knew the first name of King Arthur, a select group arbitrarily known as the Secret Order of Twinkie Wickens. He points to some portraits. Here's all of them. Socrates, Jesus, Benedict Arnold, actor Hal Linden, King Arthur, obviously, Zack Snyder, Rover Cleveland, Charles Manson, Shia LaBeouf, uh, also O.J., Mitch McConnell, and Nicole Smith, My curmudgeonly neighbor, Mrs. Magruder. Suddenly, Megan Fox walks in and throws Wahlberg over a chair. (laughs) Hopkins and Urkel exchange excited frowns. The French robots all... (laughs) Wahlberg's all... British lady, I don't understand why you're mad. Your people won the Revolutionary War almost 400 years ago. (laughs) Hopkins is all... You two should marry. Come along into the church. I have more exposition to say. (laughs) Two hours of screen time later. <laughs> That's why it's called Westworld. <laughs> the French robot plays his organ till Hopkins scowls at him. Megan's all, if you cross a robot with a tractor, you get a transformer. Urkel's all, ah, Arthur C. Clarke, Good pull. Hopkins points to some animation of the Earth's landmasses on a TV screen merging into the supercontinent and goes... As you can see, the Earth's continents were also Transformers over hundreds of millions of years. Megan's all, then we don't have much time. We have to get to my ex-grandfather's library. His wives are having tea there now. The Transformers and Urkel all transform into cars and drive across London while more cop cars and robots on bicycles chase them. Hopkins is all. Here's a cutaway shot of me driving this speeding car. He takes a turn too fast, so one of his wheels comes off and rolls down the street. The lead cop in pursuit: all. Look out, a wheel! He swerves and crashes into a dozen pedestrians. Hello? <laughs> big Ben explodes watch parts all over Jaden as he folds his arms and rolls his eyes at me. That big Ferris wheel morphs into a square. The guards at Buckingham Palace go on break. Finally, Wahlberg and Megan arrive at a mansion where old ladies are sitting at a table. Megan's all, Myrtle, Queen Elizabeth, this is 46-year-old ex-musician Mark Wahlberg. They all stare at Wahlberg hungrily. Estelle Gettys all, ah, They promised us Timberlake. Wahlberg and Whit, Megan go upstairs and lock themselves in the library. Megan's all, They are my grandfather's dearest possessions. Most of these items are priceless. She and Wahlberg begin breaking everything in sight. Downstairs all the old ladies stare grinning up at the ceiling as plaster rains down on them and their food as they listen to huge objects. <laughs> as they listen to huge objects crash over and glass shatter. The wise old biddy of the bunch is all hey, sounds like Megan's getting raped. The others are all oh yeah. Hmm. Oh. Upstairs, Wahlberg sledgehammers his own cell phone, then starts peeing on a bust of Churchill. Megan's all, wait, look, I think I found a clue in this pop-up book hidden in the wall safe. Wahlberg's all, oh, we're looking for clues? Megan shreds the book, then takes a strip of paper out of its spine and reads aloud, Dear Megan, the next 20 minutes of this is set in a submarine. No, really, irritably, Megan's grandfather. They get on a submarine while the triangle hair guy and some army guys... Follow along in a little transparent minisub that runs on baking soda. On the sub, Wahlberg takes his pants off to admire the metal disc. Megan Fox walks in on him and goes, Oh! Uh, she licks her lips and looks hungrily at the bowl of wax fruit in the painting on the wall behind Wahlberg. Wall behind Wahlberg. Behind them, the French robot lights candles and goes, Dinner is served, mon cherries. Wahlberg and Megan change into strapless black gowns and sit down while the French robot serves them seven courses of escargot. As they pick glumly at their food, Wahlberg's all, So, uh, Megan, are you in any other Transformer movies? Megan sighs. She snaps her fingers at the French robot and goes, Can we just get the check? This is like being on a date with Hitler. The sub crashes into something and Wahlberg walks out onto a runway. He gets in the back of an Air Force plane, inhales some nitrous oxide from a mask on his flight suit, and takes out his phone as the plane takes off. Texts his dead daughter. Look up in the sky. I'm there for you. He hits send. Suddenly, the plane crashes. Wahlberg gets out and goes. Now it's time for me to save the world. He turns and watches as planet Cybertron starts parking itself into Earth, destroying the pyramids, the Eiffel Tower, and most population centers, slaughtering billions. Wahlberg's all, looks like no one's going to laugh at me for living in Chicago anymore. Suddenly something dumb rises out of the ocean and keeps tilting back and forth under Wahlberg. (laughs) (laughs) I need to hear the dialogue. (laughs) Well, Optimus Prime shows up and starts killing everyone with the sword and bazooka. Wahlberg is all Optimus. Don't you remember me? It's Cave Jaeger. We walked around on some cables last movie and killed T.J. Mill in a cornfield. One guy's face was his warrant. (laughs) Optimus is all. Yes, I remember you fine. He raises his sword to kill Wahlberg, but unfortunately the metal disc turns the nothing in Wahlberg's hand into Excalibur, blocking the descent of Optimus's much larger sword of alien material. Optimus' eyes turn blue. Gary from Veep, wearing a headset in a control room, turns around to some Air Force colonels and goes, Something on his arm turned Wahlberg into King Arthur. <laughs> All the medieval knights of the control room cheer and raise their swords. <laughs> the colonels look at each other and do a slow clap. Optimus cuts off a bunch of robots' heads and they forget to reassemble. <laughs> Sheathing his sword, he scowls at us and goes, I'm Optimus Prime, gateway to dimensions, son of Arathorn Prime, queen of Transformium. This is something I just said. Wahlberg slides past him screaming as the floor tilts again. Megan's all... Don't worry, Kate. I just destroyed another of me grandpa's libraries and found a second strip of paper behind some curtains that told me what to do in case all this happened. <laughs> she grabs a spear that Cybertron's grandma stuck in the floor and holds on to it. She loses it a couple times, but luckily gravity fails. The grandma's all, No, the only thing that could ever kill me. And walks off screen. Cybertron continues crashing into Earth and also parks on it, permanently blocking out all sunlight and causing massive tidal waves. Wahlberg's all, I did it! I'm the King of England! He raises Excalibur over his head. What else did Arthur do? Uh, have sex with his sister? Destroy the Holy Grail? Sounds like it's going to be a long night. Erkel, Megan, Anthony Hopkins, Tweaky, the French robot, Chappie, Triangle Hair, the daughter's voicemail, John Taturo, Merlin, the guys from Entourage, Bumblebee, the other new kids, Michael Bay, and Bayling all gather around him and smile. <laughs> the Latina kid's dead, though. Basil. <laughs> what will you do now, white bird? <laughs> I already said, no one ever listens to me. People have been overestimating me my whole life. Well, who's the age of extinction now? Everyone laughs affectionately. Optimus Prime walks up the mountain, sees the giant exhaust pipe Merlin liked, looks around to see if anyone's watching, then creeps up behind it and unzips. Some words tell me the names of thousands of animators who lost the will to live. Cut to an Asian girl looking at some metal and some sand. A guy in a turban walks up, points vaguely, and goes, What's that? She's all, "Unicorn." Her face turned CG for a second. Some words are all Easter egg ghost written and co-directed by Michael Bay. The nerds around me hoop excitedly at the thought of eggs. The end.
0: Thank you, Kelly Wand. (sighs) Jesus Christ. A lot of times, as I was watching the movie, Dingus is the same thing. I was enjoying the fact of knowing that you were seeing it in German. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wow, how does this read in German for Kelly Wand? I was enjoying it, too, a little. How did you know that uh, the, the Megan Fox has a British accent? Do they dub the voices? No, but he goes to England. And she's like... <laughs> wow, she's look at you. Paying move, move, attention. She's moving Britishly. All right. But she has. A, she, they're speaking in German. Like, these are dubbed voices, yeah. right? Wow. Well, he, saw, he saw some of it.
2: I mean, the projector broke at some...
0: It broke before the movie started. And then a 50 oh. minutes
3: went by. And it was raining hailstones on the way to the theater. And then they said, yeah, sorry, it's not going to happen. Don't even, you can't see it at all till Sunday. That's when we'll have it fixed, maybe. And then they made everyone stand in like one line to get refunds. And then I just went, what time's the German one? And then I walked in.
2: Oh, the right, the English <laughs> one broke, right. <laughs> oh, I thought you had watched, because you also said there was like an intermission or something.
3: There was, it was a, a 15 minute intermission in the middle of the car chase,
0: and it's just oh, a, German a German thing? Like they it broke again. Um, yes. Yeah. They no. splice in intermissions for the audience in Germany. Yeah. Oh, that's considerate what, of them. Like arbitrary. What? It's is there a m- an there- late? And then the thing starts an hour. Uh, it's is overture to Transformers playing during the intermission. No, it's a countdown clock in gray. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like slightly terrifying. And this also
3: happened to be an alien covenant. So it's actually made me want to move back to America. Like just by itself. Like, all right,
0: fuck you, Germany. <laughs> Well, let's, get, let's get on that. Let's get that done.
3: The projector, the, the, does it work if you show it in English? What kind of fucking – you guys make BMWs.
0: Kelly wanted at least it was in focus, <laughs> whereas Dingus and I had to watch the Scarlett Johansson yes? Ghost in the oh, Shell movie in focus. Yeah, yeah that's true. All it's right. Well, Dangus Kelly Wand is announcing next week's three by three. This week is mine. So, since there's nothing else for you to do on the podcast, I guess why don't you go first? Tell us what you thought of Transformers the last night. Give us a movie that's ever so slightly better and a movie that's not quite as good as your over under.
2: Uh, first of all, I do want to tell you, Tom, that I remember um, what the partial trailer I saw was <laughs> when I went into the movie because moving to a movie theater that only shows three trailers. Um, and I went in the theater first and just saw the last part of it. And so the trailer that was showing directly before uh, Transformers The Last Night was the sequel to An Inconvenient Truth.
0: Oh, that's kind. That's a oh, yeah. An Inconvenient Sequel.
2: Yeah. Because Transformers
0: uh, audiences are interested in science. Yeah. They love the environment, too.
2: Well, yeah. the end of this movie does, does try to make some sort of a weird environmental statement. Um but there, but the funny thing that happened was that at the end of that trailer where where Al Gore is like yelling and doing stuff, I, I I wasn't I was just finding my seat. Uh one person in the audience started clapping and what? like a couple people just started laughing at him. It was
3: really weird. Someone clapped in the German audience when Optimus Prime spoke and said something near the end, like duh 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 even though he always says the same
2: thing. But
1: duh, like, yes. duh, duh was like, I said, for, I'm
3: Optimus Prime. He's
2: like, yeah. <laughs> well, there was, it was this one That's, person who's like who who started like clapping, like thinking everybody's going to join me in this, and nobody did, and then everybody just kind of snickered. It's kind of sad, but anyway, it, I just thought it was. I didn't even know there was going to be a sequel to Inconvenient Truth, and the fact that it showed right before this movie, I think, is pretty funny. Um, all right, for my over under, my under, I would choose uh, the movie Battleship um under that's my under jesus yeah. over i'm choosing battle los angeles
3: oh god those are both wrong
0: <laughs> you're crazy <laughs> thing is you got it wrong Did you hear that kelly wand is giving you an f you are not passing his class
2: you get a failure How are they wrong kelly wand how would you have? wait
0: ordered? hang on maybe you're right on i hate
3: battle la too but you hate battle la battle la right
2: yeah, but I like that part where they drop the grenades in the po- in the pool. That's true. And there were a lot of things that I laughed. Di- I, I had a lot of laughs during this movie. I will admit that. Um, I think this movie is uh, – it, it, it was weird for me. I, I, I would call it interminable, uh, except that the last one that I actually liked, Age of Instinction, was 15 minutes longer than this movie was.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Wow.
2: You know, it was 2 hours and 45 minutes long.
0: Whoa! Are you serious? <laughs> man? It's like godfather. I don't remember that. Wow.
2: Yeah, I don't either. Um, yeah, this is 2 hours and 29 minutes long. and um, Trim the fat. It's just... It, oh God, there's just so much shit being shoveled in that last... I, I wouldn't even call it a third act. I don't know if Michael Bay knows what a third act is. It just feels like the third act is... Going on and on and on and on and on. So I think at least for Battle Los Angeles, you can you can uh, you can
3: There is no third
2: act I think it's John I forget it what his name is John Leipzman, maybe. Um knows that he can make a movie that's half that long that has a couple of amusing parts and even knows how to use its lead character or its lead actor properly, uh, instead of just sabotaging him the whole time. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I really wanted to love this movie because I liked Age of Extinction so much, and unfortunately, it just—I think—the last, uh, last third of this thing, at least, just—it's just so much shit just being thrown and thrown at you. God, Michael Bay! I kept thinking about what Tom said last week about um, how great it would have been had Wonder Woman ended with a conversation. And I would have been so happy and surprised had this movie ended an hour earlier with a conversation. And it would have been like, whoa, he did that? That's what he did? It would have been such an exciting uh it just would have been such an exciting thing and they could have gotten a lot more screenings in. <laughs> thing is, it's nice of you to think of the bottom line for them. I'm trying to help.
3: Conversation about Transformers.
0: Uh, okay, well, I'll go next. My uh, over and under. Um, I would characterize this movie as bizarre, dumb, and noisy, which in and of itself is not a bad thing. Bizarre, dumb, and noisy doesn't, doesn't have to be bad. I've enjoyed lots of bizarre, dumb, and noisy movies. Uh, however, there's a spectrum on bizarre, dumb, and noisy, and rather than me trying to sandwich closely uh, – a movie that's bizarre, dumb, and noisy, that's slightly better than this and not quite as good as this. I'm just going to give you two ends of that spectrum. At the upper end, I feel that – well, let me go. The the bottom end, there's a movie called Iron Sky, which is just – it's bizarre, dumb, and noisy, and I think it's crap. Like Iron Sky, I think – I don't – I think the filmmakers of Iron Sky – and I I don't know if this is the fact that they're not American or what inspires them, but I, I think they think they're being funny. And they're not, I feel. So Iron Sky doesn't understand how to be bizarre, dumb, and noisy without just being junk. A movie that I kind of feel does understand how to be bizarre, dumb, and noisy, so I don't know what's going on here. A great bizarre, dumb, and noisy movie is Age of Extinction. Uh, And I think one of the problems here is Michael Bay, who is so incredibly uneven because 13 Hours, the last movie that he did, the Benghazi thing, is actually a decent procedural about – you know, what happened in Benghazi. 13 Hours isn't awful. It's clunky at times, but there is uh, some thoughtful action in that movie. Uh, There's an interesting cast. Uh, and, you know, Michael Bay occasionally kind of knows what he's doing, but whatever happened with The Last Night, it falls far, far short of Age of Extinction on several fronts, and I just want to briefly mention a few of them. Uh, Jared Carmichael is no TJ Miller, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins just phoning in a paycheck, is no Stanley Tucci. That silly floating world nonsense, which Dingus describes as shoveling crap at the screen, that is no Hong Kong getting sucked up by a giant magnet. Mark Wahlberg getting a sword as the payoff is no robot dinosaurs. So all these things that for whatever reason kind of worked for me in Age of Extinction their counterparts in Last Night just fell pretty flat. So and and, and most importantly by the way There was very little self-deprecating humor with Wahlberg in this movie like there was in Age of Extinction. Uh, This movie kind of reminded me of Patriot Day, which uh, in a way – in that Wahlberg just kind of photobombs this movie. Patriot Day is a really cool procedural about the the Boston Marathon bombing, and it's Peter Berg. uh, It's – it's the, he's as sharp as he did that uh, Deepwater Horizon movie uh, about the, the bombing, but for whatever reason, he Wahlberg gets crammed into different scenes. It's like he's photobombing this cool procedural, and he's a, a sort of a composite of different characters, but every now and then he shows up, and he's super earnest, and okay, what's he doing there? It doesn't make sense, but he's not there long. Then it goes on to the more interesting stuff. He's kind of harmless in Patriot's Day, whatever. But this is the same thing. He's just kind of showing up and taking himself seriously, and there's none of that really fun self-deprecating stuff that was in the first movie. So on those fronts, this is just no Age of Extinction, um, and I I was just completely not into it. Eh, Completely. I I was mostly not into it. I will, will not remember anything about this movie in two weeks. Uh, and that's that's bad for a movie that's bizarre, dumb and noisy. It should at least be memorable. Kelly Wand, give us an over and under. And what's your uh, basic assessment of Transformers The Last Knight.
3: Uh, My over my my theme of my over under were movies about robots fighting. Mm-hmm. So my over <laughs> is uh, real steel with Hugh you. You saw
0: real steel. Why would you have seen that?
3: Because we were going to do it that one week, and then we did Tower Heist by accident, so I watched Part of Real Steel.
0: <laughs> ah, you haven't
2: even you seen like I place? watched, I yeah, watched no. Part of Real Steel. You don't
0: even know if it's good. It might be awesome for all you know. I've never seen it. I have not seen Real Steel. I assumed that Real Steel was a kid's movie. Mm, I've, I, I have a theory that everything is a kid's movie now, so <laughs> I've sort
3: of seen that <laughs> out. You know, see how much they can sneak in that's good to me, but...
0: Um, So you would rather watch real steel than this? Yeah, and also I think a big
3: reason is Hugh Jackman's in it as like the coach of the boxing robot. Right. And so I think the fact when you have the humans the same size as the robots, it's a little more interesting. Like watching tiny humans run from giant robots that never hurt them is really fucking boring. It was boring five movies ago. It's always boring. It'll always be boring. And then doing it in slow motion... So, like, we don't even know, how, like, the rates. How, how excited should I be? Because I, now I, it doesn't look like anything's <laughs> going to hit anything. And the whole implication that you can, you know where something's going to be, so you know which direction to run when these giant things are fighting past you. They always run with these looks on their faces, like, we've got to get to there. But, they gotta, like, there's nowhere safe either. So that bothers <laughs> me a lot in these movies. Well, it's it a movie that's looks-
1: not
0: quite as good as this one, then. Rocky Four about robots fighting. Robots fighting Rocky Four. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, uh, you're basically calling Stallone robotic. Is that what's going on and there? And
2: Ivan Drago. Wow.
0: Maybe my overs robot chocks and my unders. Is Ivan Drago Dolph Lundgren? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. He's he's uh, he's holding up really well. Dolph Lundgren. He's yeah, done some crappy funny. movies, but I, yeah, I love seeing him. I saw him he's in a movie recently. Acceptable. He was in a movie with uh, oh shoot, uh, Charlie, uh, Denise Richards. He was in a uh, uh, an airplane hijack movie where he's the villain uh, and he fights Denise Richards, and Denise Richards is the John McClane. Wow. What? Yeah, she's like a federal marshal who gets on the plane and, you know, she's just on vacation. It's that kind of thing. And the plane gets taken over by terrorists led by uh, Dolph Lundgren, who just is looking awesome. Uh, and then they have to fight. And yeah. You know, Wait,
2: the movie ha- you're totally making me want to see this. Yes, I know, seriously. Also, Kelly, you just made an awesome title in the best expandable.
3: Oh, yeah. It should just be him. Because then Chuck Norris... Uh, creaks on screen. I in think the he same
2: should. Shot. He should bring Chuck Norris <laughs> and shave, dry shave him. That's Dolph is also in
0: a terrible. They're trying to. Room. They're trying to go for an Ash versus Evil Dead thing. I forget what that's called, but uh, he's a demon hunter. Uh, I forgot. What was that thing called. But that that was terrible as well. I usually don't uh, like big
3: heroes. Like I like the hero to be small and the
0: villain to be big. Like uh, oh, how's he going to win? That's the thing. He's the villain against Denise Richard. Uh-oh. Yeah,
2: All right. So, right you that's why
0: yeah. So, Kelly Wan, the movie is called Altitude, uh, and Denise Richards and Oliver Plastic Surgery are in the lead, and Dolph Lundgren uh, is a supporting actor. Don't confuse it, by the way, with the altitude from about three years ago in which a bunch of dumb teenagers get in a Cessna and get attacked by a sky octopus.
3: Oh, that sounds good too.
0: That one uh, – you, actually, you should see both altitudes then, yeah. So I can't
3: tell I'm can't, I'm picturing it and going, Would that be easy to dodge or hard to dodge? The, the sky. sky
0: octopus? Yeah. Uh yeah, I know. Yeah. And it squirts never mind. Uh,
2: so has Kellywan told us whether he liked this liked this or not?
3: Well, I can't be trusted because I didn't really hear it. And there was a lot of – it seemed to me there was a lot of conversation. And so I, all I had to go on was Michael Bay's action choreography, which would generally seem shitty and like he never is good. And um, there was a lot of uh, – there's something that really bothers me about his movies, and it's true of every one of them, is no one ever gets hurt. <laughs> and they should get hurt T. a J. little. Like, TJ J. Miller would like to have a word with you, Kelly. Walker. Yeah, that's Seriously. true. But I almost feel like that same going T.J. Miller going. I don't want to work on this anymore. And then Michael be going. All right, well I'll write you out
0: somehow. And then agonizing over it. But movie. see that I mean, you're, no, one no, else, no one gets killed in these movies. But that that's that's an accidental moment. I, I say accidental. That's a moment in Age of Extinction that has impact because you genuinely feel. Oh man, T.J. Miller's not in the movie anymore a for whatever reason. Character what is it, it, spotted, killed off, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's kind mm-hmm. of like a that that's a that's I, a It's an effective gimmick, is to make you attach to a character and then kill the character. I don't know if it was an accident, if it was a matter of T.J. Miller's scheduling, but it was something that in a weird way made Age of Extinction memorable for me. There's nothing like that here. But Uh, he's also not the lead. Oh, Anthony Hopkins dies here. (laughs) like that. I could not have cared less. Wait, doesn't he? I think he Uh, does. He gets thrown. Yeah, Yeah, all right. That's true.
2: Yeah. And all right Cogman, so people guy who you know build. he's been he's been alive for years and years and years and Cogman says of all the earls I've worked for you're the coolest by far how many earls have you worked for coolest by far dingus let's get the line oh, right by
0: michael far. bay wrote this line or some one of those six people credited with script writing wrote that line dingus honor him or her him
2: all right That's... i apologize.
3: So, uh, and the, so and the daughter the daughter not being in it, like, that's <laughs> –
0: that reminded me of the Paul Walker stuff.
3: Which, she's in you know,
2: college. You know, the world's falling apart, but she's at college. Yeah, Come this on. is
0: all explained, Kelly Wan, if you'd see it in English. I saw it. I saw it. Uh, I do. I did find myself thinking, you know, she's going to be sitting at home, and she's going to get a text from some random guy she doesn't understand, saying, "Look in the sky. It's me up there for you." Smiley face. Smiley face. She's not yes. that, that's from some random soldier. Like the, uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg asks a dude, "Can I borrow your phone?" And then oh, from yeah, his sorry. phone, he sends her a text. <laughs> so she's going to get the text from a strange <laughs> number. And have no idea. It's just like,
2: oh some some idiot mistexted me. And uh, hasn't he already previously done the setup where he tells Isabella the code words that he talks to his daughter with and <laughs> never pays off and studies it in random text. So much stuff doesn't pay off. I mean Nothing pays
3: off.
0: that that little girl doesn't pay off. She just yeah.
3: disappears from the
2: movie. No, <laughs> yeah. she she pops up <laughs> really? as a as a yeah, I love the way this movie is edited. I mean love in a hatred in way a, because people just pop up whenever they feel like popping them up. And your in your synopsis, miracles. you're like they walked to England. It really is – like how the hell does she wind up on the Osprey or whatever? She I will up say with, the
0: thing is, it's explained. With, she stows away. It's very clearly explained. But, yeah, yeah she's when she like winds up
2: with, you know, with beep boop, somehow she winds up there. Yeah.
0: Uh, this, the, the editing in this movie reminded me of a Transformer itself. You know The way Michael Bay just does Transformers <laughs> yeah. is a car is driving along. It looks super cool. It's sleek. And then crazy CG happens, which has no regard for anything, and then a, a twirling robot emerges, and then the robot's standing there talking to you. Uh, it just <laughs> makes no sense going from point A to point B, and one of the cool things about Transformers – As toys, and I'm positive I must have made this incredibly insightful point previously in a Transformers podcast, but one of the cool things about Transformers is you would see, okay, oh, that's the wheel that then is going to turn on the car door, and then it folds in. The car door is now its arm, and the wheel becomes its hand, and when (laughs) Optimus Prime, like the hood of the truck flips back, you can see, okay, that's now his back. Like as toys, they had to kind of make sense, and you had to see how the parts – Now it's product placement. It's product placement, and it's just CG noise. And yeah. and the the editing reminded me of this: the oh. way that the movie just scenes, just random scenes thrown together. And okay, now we're gonna have this happen, and it would just be point A to point B with just just noise in between. That right. that made no effort to explain the connectivity between the two scenes. Yeah, that's what Fox like yeah, a, a Michael B. Well, it's, it's just, not a Michael B. Thing because he has like Pain and Gain and thirteen days best. are not awful. Like those are well made movies. They're just not noisy and dumb. Well. There's a dumbness to them, but they're just not—they're just not CG noise. Did he make Deep Water Horizon? No, no, it's, Deep... Peter Burke. no it's Peter Berg. Peter Berg. Yeah. I right. yeah. yeah. uh, like the
2: way that you talk about the the noise uh, in the spaces because what really bothers me about this, and it's—you know—it's it maybe pointless to nitpick these types of things, but I don't understand the scale of any of these things. If if it's a little Lamborghini and it ch- and it turns into something right. that's as big as a semi-truck, <laughs> huge.
1: Yeah, Where's I do understand. Mask,
2: and yeah. they totally, totally upped up the 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 scale of optimists or negativists or whatever he was prime when he was in that underwater spaceship, it, and then he's outside and he's a totally different scale against the human beings. I don't get what the what they do with scale. So all what you just said about noise being in between things, I think that that's just his excuse. He must. Well, you just put some noise in between, and that's why they're bigger in these other situations.
0: I wonder too, Dingus, if that's a function of – and I didn't – did we stay for the credits? I don't think we did, right? No, because we
2: were were going to see um, another movie.
0: I wonder if it's a function of different special effects houses working on different sequences. And I don't know if that was the case with this. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's the sort of sloppy thing that, okay, this, this house is doing this sequence and this studio is doing that sequence and they don't know what work the other person is doing. And somebody gets hired an editor to stitch all that stuff together. Uh, yeah, like I, kind of thought too, that we were going to get every now and then I would say, oh, there's going to be a cool idea coming. Like I thought that the whole planet was going to be a transformer. I thought that that's what was set up is that this Cybertron place, was itself a Transformer? Because like in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, Kurt Russell's yeah. a planet. I thought we were going to get a whole planet Transformer. And or that, that Earth cool, is. But it was I mean, all this crazy. like floaty platform stuff that I just made no sense. <laughs> it was just noise.
3: Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, there's no payoff.
0: There's yeah. no big shot of it going away or blowing up even. Well, so. even the horns. Like this whole idea. Kelly, you – whatever German is for horns. In, in <laughs> the English version, they set up this idea that horns are growing out of Earth. And I don't know if that's, I guess, the little Easter egg is at Is that the end thing subject. Arthur? What's the I don't think Arthur? It's with? an Arthurian thing. The Arthur reveal is just that, that, you know, Transformers are basically responsible for human history. It's just like, hey, let's take the moon landing and say, oh, it's about Transformers. It's a sort of gimmick. Hey, let's yeah. take the Arthurian legend. and it's, It was about Transformers, you know.
1: Merlin, wouldn't that have come
0: up for a scum?
3: So wouldn't that have come up in the first four movies, though? Mm, it's, would have gone, oh, by the way.
0: You know that giant exhaust pipe in England that looks – I mean it's red. Con- it's, it's basically saying that there's been a secret society uh, that has been – and pretty much everyone famous you, – you listed some of them, Kelly Wand, is included in the secret society, society that is guarding – they're like Templars that are guarding the secret of the Transformer. Or were they in the last movies? <laughs> Actually, that is a good point. Dingus, you're always the one on point about that sort of thing. The army guys <laughs> – where were these Templar, this under this secret brotherhood? Where were they in the last movies, Dingus? When Chicago was getting destroyed, why didn't they care about that? Uh, they, were
2: like, eh. they were helping with uh, Wolverine over in Japan at the time.
0: Actually, I think yeah. I have an answer for this. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I think their job was to keep Meg- the Megatron from getting the staff. And as long as the staff wasn't on the scene, which didn't happen until this movie, these Templars were like, whatever, Chicago, you know, blow up, uh, robot dinosaurs sucking up, and Hong Kong getting sucked up, whatever. As long as the staff wasn't out there, as long as the stakes didn't get escalated to that point, the Templars were just going to lie low. So it was only when the staff of Merlin came out and Quintilla could get her hands on it.
2: Quintana.
0: Well, wasn't that her name? Quintessa? Quintilla?
2: It's Quintessa. Quintessa. The, the of life. Yeah. Okay.
0: I also was hoping, again, potential cool idea. First of all, they get in, like, I, they show us that that old World War I tank is a transformer. That's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. And this yeah. bit where, you know, the transformers throughout history, you know, they were in World War I. They're in
2: Glorious Bastards' Moment. Yeah.
0: Like, like I, I, I kind of like that. So that when we get to that, that, that old submarine, I was like, oh, cool, the submarine's going to be a Transformer. Yeah, yeah. It's not a Transformer, it just drives itself. (laughs) Why (laughs) not be a Transformer? What the fuck is wrong with you? Furthermore, they were using a female pronoun for her because she's a ship. I was like, oh, we're finally going to get a girl Transformer. That's kind of cool. And no, there there are no girl transformers? Transformers. No girl transformer from the submarine, and furthermore, at least I was thinking, well, at least they're saving the girl versus girl battle. Quintilla is going to fight the British Megan Fox chick, you know, we'll have a, a chick standoff, and that that'll finally, you know, that that could be cool. And no, none, none of that happens. Nope. Uh, the only cool. the only thing the Megan Fox chick does is, I think she like unplugs yeah. the staff. Like that's all. Yeah. Her job. Which is. She could have done. Why is Mark? No, no she, you know, Kelly wants. She's genetically coded wow. to the staff, so only her. It can only work with her. But she doesn't get to do any cool like fighting or proactive right. stuff. She, she mm-hmm. literally is there to just unplug the staff. Yeah, yep. that's the woman's place in the Transformers
2: mythos. Not that he has much more to do either. I Why don't is know he what the hell's going on Why with him. Why
0: does the thing because pick him? Because here's the whole deal. Because. Sorry. The uh the little badge I called it a right. Why? Why does it dis- pick him? Okay, because the the one of the it's come to Earth with this messenger guy, and the messenger guy is going to find whoever to give it to the right person. But he gets shot down by the TRF, and when Mark Wahlberg with the little kids, and then Mark Wahlberg find his body, mm. and Mark Wahlberg kindly tries to heal him. He's like, nope, it's too late. I'm dead. But here you're the only guy. Green Lantern. So here, yeah, take this. So take Mark this. Wahlberg yeah. gets the doodad that turns him into the chosen one, just because he was the only one there for the samurai transformer. Oh, uh, so yeah. worthy. Good yeah. thing it, it wasn't it be, a woman who tried. Well, to It could save. have been a little fat kid, like when they climbed yeah. into the, like it might, have, it,
2: yeah, or it a have serial stuff. killer. Um, let's get, let's talk. Uh, so, Chris Markinson, whose email is entitled "Transformers UGG. Um, ah,
3: that's that's a good tagline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds like an acronym, but it's <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
3: underrated the, gargantuan horror
2: actually brings up something that I was thinking in the beginning of this movie. And I, I love that he brought it up and I actually love that Kelly Wan made reference to something that touches on this when he was talking about his overs and unders. And Chris Murkinson says uh, Marky Mark and Isabella bond pretty quickly. I think Logan continues to spoil me. And I have to confess that in the first part of this movie, when Mark Wahlberg's showing up in that weird bronzer makeup, uh, and just oh my like God! So yeah, Dingus
0: What was well, like? His lips were all like they didn't. They even left like a gap between his lips and the bro Like, what was that?
2: His so lips, freaky. It looked like he was wearing some weird glowing lip gloss. Yeah. Um, and his face looked weirdly orange, and it looked like at the beginning of that where he's going through that whole sequence, like it was kind of it gave me kind of a Logan vibe, and it's interesting that Chris Markinson brought that up as well. But of course, it doesn't pay off in any way because then just. Crap starts happening, and like Kelly once said, the RoboCop two things happen. Um, but yeah. when he first shows up, and he's walking around, and he's looking so haggard, or trying to look,
1: at
2: her. <laughs> 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 and they're like, "Are you that guy?" No, I'm not that guy. Uh, you know that whole the the kids, uh, are you? Oh, you the legend. Thanks a lot, legend. Uh, and then he goes off to the junkyard. Yeah, he's all getting tennis I did get kind of a Logan vibe to that, but of course, ah right, he, right. Can't really sustain I, that at all.
0: I was into the.
2: Cade mobile. You're into. I was what? into
0: the. I was into the Cade Mobile. I liked that truck, like how how the plates were removed. It was like super lightened, I guess for a yeah. no good reason. Yeah. I, I was into his truck. Yeah,
3: I'm
2: a yeah. farmer.
0: Why do you he's keep not, calling him he's a an farmer? inventor? Yeah, he was a farmer in the first one that invented. He stuff. was an inventor. Oh no, Thing is he's right. He had a farm, but he, he, had a he wanted field. to be an inventor. Yeah,
2: he had a cornfield for them to drive through. There's nothing they could have yeah, made money from. Kind of All they were talking is. about was making money by selling things for 20 bucks. I can sell this thing for 20 bucks. I can sell that thing for 20 bucks. The cornfield is just a prop in that movie did, for the, uh, for the rally it's, racer to drive. You did the Harkin like
0: it otherwise, though? I mean, I presume so he thought, he's no. thought he got a Logan vibe, but otherwise he loved the movie. Was that his
2: takeaway? Yes. Chris loved the movie. He thinks it's, a, it's <laughs> probably going to be on top of his list. Uh, he thinks that he's going to take Logan off of his list now um, mm-hmm. because uh, no, he says this they is too? the first. He says this is the first Transformer I've watched since watching the cartoon movie uh, many really? many years ago, and he says this was horrible. He Two didn't and a half hours long. No, he. This is the first Transformers movie Chris Parkinson has seen.
3: It's <laughs> uh, a great entry point.
2: And, and I love, and he says something that's who you said that giant alien robots have been on Earth for more than a thousand years and somehow everyone's kept it a secret. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's and, also well,
2: surprised been, how many times people said shit.
0: A lot wow. of F bombs. I noticed that, and instead of an actual F bomb, there was a Mofo. We got Mofo as our F bomb.
2: Oh.
1: Who so says Matt, uh, well,
0: one of those cool. vaguely racist. Hey, I'm a black transformer. I'm a, I'm a transformer with a black man's voice. Yeah, and doing jive talk. Like those are like weirdly uncomfortable. So one of them says something, something you mofo's. But then otherwise, just s bombs right and left.
2: Uh, what was the whole deal with the Decepticons? That whole suicide girls were going to show you their like their stats or whatever. And then do nothing with them. They, it is impossible to tell what <laughs> robot is fighting what robot and even to care about it. Why are you bothering to introduce them to us? Wait, that's
0: a, that's a Suicide Girls thing?
2: Isn't that. No, not Suicide Girls. Suicide Squad. <laughs> suicide Sorry.
0: <Girl. laughs> do you know what Suicide Girls is, Dingus?
2: He's <laughs> about Wait, the Kristen Dunst. No, I think it has to relate to porn, though,
0: obviously.
3: What kind of porn are you watching?
1: <laughs> uh. I mean, you would really want to I'd go like there?
0: To it. No, it's fine. I don't like that she gets called a Suicide fun. Girls, though. But it is that kind of Tarantino-esque grindhouse. Hey, let's flash the name up. Who's this thing.
2: member? Right. So yeah. I don't understand why they bothered, why he bothers to do that, other than to steal somebody else's stylistic, like thing that that he like. He's like, hey, let's do that thing. It, but it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. Well, None of those characters matter at all.
0: I think if you think
2: of this as a toy franchise, like I could see.
0: I don't know that it, it actually goes to this place, but I can see that, hey, we're going to introduce new toys. Like the like people who watch Transformers movies who grew up with the cartoons, uh, like to some people, think, and this is silly to me, but a good friend of mine named Brandon uh, is, is really into Transformers because he grew up with it. And for him, it's kind of his Star Wars in that he knows it's silly, but it was part of his childhood. So when he goes to these movies, there are nods to specific Transformers for him. I am oh. guessing that. These were either specific Transformers or they were introducing new ones to the the pantheon of Transformers. For whatever reason, this was a specific call-out, and and maybe it meant something to someone who actually cares about and follows Transformers. Oh, I, right. I don't know. I don't know. But it is definitely conspicuous that, hey, we're we're seeing these guys. Their names are coming up. We're going to think they're major players, but nope. They're just more CG noise that goes on yeah, in you the speak, background. To just yeah, yeah. applaud their names
3: coming up, that's yeah. the money shot. Like, yeah
0: –
2: yeah. This is the well, word. Well, Markinson also says this, and I did notice this as well. He he asks, uh, what? Uh, one of the Autobots or Decepticons had brass knuckles with punish on them, right? Right. And <laughs> the, the cop car, Chris, says to punish and enslave on the side of it.
0: Which I thought yeah. was great. Uh, good writing or bad writing, Dingus?
2: Uh, that's just fine as far <laughs> oh, yeah. as this movie's concerned. I like it too, fine. right.
0: That, that might be the best piece of writing in Transformers Dark Knight. I uh, saw it as that Transformers, like, he actually Dark was you it. His, Dark oh, Jesus. Character. Oh, my God.
2: Suicide <laughs> Girls in Dark Knight. <laughs> Let
0: me edit that out. <laughs> uh, I also didn't like that the. I, I loved you, American man, shut it. Like, just be this, the, the, the little character interactions in this were just so dumb and obligatory that sometimes they actually kind of worked. Uh, and that was one example. Just their stupid back and forth, you're British, you're American, you're British, you're American. And then it ending with you, Amer- American man, shut it. Like, that was great, that's good. But then the stupid movie has to give him the last word saying to her, and I didn't like this, you, English woman, shut it. D- Wahlberg, you're being a d- When she does it, it's funny. When you do it, you're being a dick.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but so America
0: always has to win. Well, that's the know. thing. It was so tone deaf. Like that's it took a fun joke and turned him into a dick.
2: Uh, well, I wonder if going to fuck you, England. If they, if uh, Mark Wahlberg and Michael Bay just don't like each other anymore. And Michael Bay's just. <laughs> With him. I'm going to make you look dumb. I'm going to do the makeup wrong. I'm going to make you look like Trump in the makeup. I could not understand a thing he was doing, including that weird weird blue velvet gas mask at the end. What
1: was
0: that? Oh, that's right. <laughs> ve- yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He was he an was accident. <laughs> yeah. What was that? What was yeah, that?
2: Right. I, I came up with a theory about well, no, it. It's but... high
0: altitude. They're, they're at a high altitude where the air is supposed to be thin, and apparently at some point, Wahlberg – was told or thought when you're up here, there's not a lot of oxygen. So fighter pilots tend to have oxygen. You know, you have an oxygen mask on, but he's the only one yes. who is hitting off the oxygen mask at 21,000 feet. That was so is weird. That, <laughs> is that the joke though? Like he's not a professional pilot. I don't know. I guess. I, yeah. Maybe Kelly right. Like maybe it's supposed to be a joke. No, Cause there's a ton of but other, there's never a self deprecating thing in this.
3: It's, he's always I,
0: like the awesome. Yeah.
2: yeah. I honestly thought it was, you know, I just, I developed this theory that um, he and Michael Bay had argued about this. That Mark Wahlberg's like, no, we should really be having masks on. And Michael Bay's like, everybody's not going to have masks on because I need to see their faces. And Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> like, but uh, then I'm going to do it.
0: Yeah, everybody and knows my face already, yeah. Mark, Michael. You I know. want to do my own stunts. <laughs> Dingus, the thing move. that – go ahead. Go ahead. No. Well, the thing that actually makes me kind of – doubt that it's not that, that it's just general cluelessness. Mark Wahlberg lets uh, <laughs> Peter Berg rein him in just fine. Like, Mark Wahlberg oh. in Deepwater Horizon, and even Patriot Day, even though I think he's kind of weird in Patriot Day, like, Peter Berg will tell him, you know, look, you're just a blue-collar schlub here. We're not going to glamorize you, necessarily. You're, you're going to be in an ensemble cast with Kurt Russell and John Malkovich, and uh, it's, it's not just all about you, Mark. And And I think he listens to Peter Berg... So I, I don't know. Maybe he works a different way with Michael Bay. But mm. I, I do know Mark Wahlberg is capable of not necessarily Mark Wahlberg or himself all over a project. Uh, so I but I don't. Yeah, maybe here Michael Bay just doesn't care or maybe they don't like other. I like your theory that they don't like each other. <laughs> and Michael Bay is making him look dumb.
3: Well, he said he doesn't want to do another one. And he said he wants his life back. Those are his terms.
0: But you can just be sick of
3: doing Transformers.
0: I movies. kind of. Th- I mean, they've already got a this uh, a, a is <coughs> five. They've got a a Bumblebee standalone uh, book. What? Yeah, yeah. And then a seven Should and an eight. Wait, or a f- oh. six? Yeah, they've got two more slated and a Bumblebee Dark standalone. Universe. But I wouldn't be. You know, this did not. This did not do that well
2: for them. Yeah, that's I what mean. I don't get.
0: They're planning these ninety things based on nothing. Know.
2: I don't need more Bumblebee. I honestly don't. No. Yeah,
0: I, mean, I don't get – but like Bumblebee is, I guess, supposed to – like I, this isn't made clear to me in the movies. He just happens to be the one that hangs out with Shia LaBeouf or whatever. But he's supposed to be, I guess, a big he, – like he's the Luke Skywalker in the Transformers universe or something? And he talks, but he doesn't talk in the movies. So well, there's totally that whole crazy. weird thing about – I guess you didn't get this, Kelly one because you saw it in German. There's a weird thing here about his original voice wakes Optimus Prime up out of being hypnotized by Quintilla. Like but it's doesn't his, his voice.
2: voice constantly change in the other movies? Isn't yeah, he he's always doing, doing
0: different. Things. Well, yeah, there was the whole joke in here about he gets the wrong voice module and he says, "I'm going to kill that punk ass bitch." Who? Yeah, because the Steve Buscemi robot gives him a voice module that makes yeah. him sound like he's been breathing helium, and it, you know, and and Wahlberg's even saying, "I'm going to give you going give you your original voice back." But then at some point he gets it back because it wakes up Optimus Prime. When that uh, happens, does he go? Does he say Martha? Oh, he should have. That would have worked, Kelly. I bet both of their moms are named Martha. That makes sense.
2: Trans-Marthas. Did you guys... Okay, so Mike Mike Cathcart, uh, another of our listeners, also wrote in. um, And he said, of all the podcasts I have had the pleasure of listening to, yours is by far the coolest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Mike's also wondering if you could help me find an awesome English doctor lady like Laura Haddock. Who's impressed that I, like everyone else who f- saw Thor, can quote Clark's third lore, <laughs> law? Not lore. Um, did you like? Did you guys like Laura Haddock? Until
0: I looked up who she was, I didn't. I mean, whatever. She she was basically a, a notch above the forgettable woman in the Mummy. Oh,
1: Wow.
0: Uh, was, why wow. did you think dingus? Did you like it? Because you know she, you know where we've seen her. Oh yeah yeah. Did you know that watching it or you had to look that up too?
2: No, no, I had to look it up. Yeah. I didn't recognize her. Yeah.
0: I mean, she has hair
2: in here, so it's Yeah. Uh, yeah I didn't why not
0: just get Megan her. Fox back
3: though and just go, yeah, I left Shia, but now I'm the Transformers favorite. Human. So Kelly one,
0: she's uh, Peter Quill's mom in the Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy <laughs> movies. Yep. So there you go. You've seen her before. So that's why you don't get Megan Fox because you can get Peter Quill's mom. Wait, in the beginning of it?
2: Yeah, yeah, in the so, beginning of it. and, yeah.
0: and yeah. She's the one who uh, dies of cancer in the first one, and I guess has the flashback scenes with, with creepy, youngified Kurt Russell in the second one. Youngified. That's Megan Fox? <laughs> no, Laura Haddock is her name. Laura Haddock. Oh, boy, am I confused. I thought you just said, <laughs> told me
3: Megan Fox gets cancer in Guardians. Like, <laughs> so,
1: it's
2: like,
3: like an interesting casting choice. I didn't even notice.
2: Oh. Mike Kac- Cart actually brings up another thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Uh, he says they should replace whoever phoned this score in with the person who picks the music for the Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, Mike's a big Fast and Furious fan. Um, and quoting a 16-year-old ludicrous song doesn't count. Uh, somebody get Michael DeAzune. Um <laughs> Yeah. And there there is a joke in Age of Extinction that's basically kind of a Zune joke where where his daughter breaks one of those things and he's like, I could have fixed that. I could have solved that. <laughs> um But th- <laughs> does the terrible score for this get excused by the fact that Cogman's character makes jokes <gasps> about it?
0: Oh, but this funny thing is they <sighs> I mean, oh, Michael Bay, you were so close. Michael Bay was actually playing score in addition to what Cogman was doing. Like the mm-hmm. movie was doing the meta joke with Cogman. And no, just give it to Cogman. Like, you've got a funny gag there and you screwed it up, Michael Bay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh. I was wondering, yeah, okay. I was wondering how you felt about that.
0: <sighs> I mean, I liked it where really... that was going. I love the idea. But, you know, when you're playing the actual score of the movie over the guy providing the score – that we're going to lampshade about how ridiculous it is. Mm-hmm. You're missing the point of your own joke. Uh, oh, God. Oh, so what did you guys sure. feel? No, the 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 manservant guy. What did you guys think of Cogman?
2: I didn't understand what the rules were for him because he seemed super powerful. Uh, why don't you just get him to do everything? He seemed like he was indestructible.
0: Yeah, and he um, wasn't the And he seemed eternal. eternal. Yeah. Yeah, he couldn't – like he didn't – he was just a regular ro- robot that – I mean like, – Why does the British do guy have a
3: German tank as his friend? It's not a German tank. What's the matter with you? And why did the Japanese Transformer turn into a Mercedes? Fucking explain that. It should have been a Is trailer. that true?
0: Yeah. Oh, because they're, they're – right, They're product placement. Right, right. He's a
3: samurai. Right. Why the is a samurai placement? a Mercedes? Because what? no Japanese
0: companies ponied up for the product placement. Then why not just make him a German Transformer? Because you, you need a. There's probably the Canon. It's okay. Canon that there's a Japanese Transformer, Kelly Wand. Who turns the into lore. No well, way. no. The, the, what kind of car they turn into probably wasn't branding when they had actual. Wait, I have another. Okay, so if they're from a different planet, Right. they would have cars on that planet and trucks, basically. If you like, remember, Kelly Wand, from the first movie, the whole point is they come here and they have to hide themselves as objects here on Earth. Did I get that right by the way? I feel like that that's, that was established. <laughs> Why are they hiding? They could just kill him. Because of the TRF and stuff. The TRF. No, because they're persecuted, right? They're not hiding though. They're
3: fighting in King Arthur battles and all. It's they're
0: that's hiding? Okay, first of all, those were different transformers. Oh. Uh <laughs> that turned into a three-headed dragon. Yeah, what's the, up with that guy? Uh well, he was uh, Is he hiding uh
1: too? Hmm... What's no, no, oh, no,
0: they were in the under underwater dumb thing that you called it, right? Uh, so they are they're with King Arthur and then uh, Red Transformer underwater. the yeah. Red Transformer gives Merlin the staff and it's like, okay, humanity, I'm letting you I'm entrusting you with this staff. And then the guardians that had turned into the the three headed dragon that can break apart into twelve guardians, he gets put in the big dumb thing that gets sunk off the coast of uh, Dover, right? And it's hidden underwater there until the staff can wake it up. Did I get that right? If I
1: was
3: an alien watching all this, like beamed from Earth, I'd be going, "No, skip this place. (laughs) They're all three years old. (laughs) Fuck that." Because who else did we make? nothing to teach us? (laughs) Fucking embarrassing. Look at all the product placement.
2: By the way, Mike Cathcart also agrees with me about that he never knew which one of these robots was Optimus
3: Prime. They all look the same.
0: Yeah, Nemesis Prime. Isn't that his name? Oh, when his eyes are red, he's Nemesis Prime,
1: yeah, and when Nemesis they're blue, Prime. he's
0: Optimus Prime. It's like lightsabers.
1: He's so Mike asks,
2: Mike asks if I am Optimus Prime is like I am Groot.
0: Cathcart, <laughs> uh, no, don't Cathcart. Don't even come on. Don't paint Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy
2: with. Char- um, so Char- then Char- we Char- also Char- had oh. Nick D. We we forced Nick D. to see it as well. And he says, if you took a drink every time something that looked like a big pile of moving garbage crashed into another big pile of moving garbage, <laughs> yeah. you would die before the movie was over.
3: Also, if you drink every time there's an American flag, there's only three flags of this movie. So Michael Bay <laughs> hates America now, obviously, because he usually has like 38 flag shots.
0: Yeah, he's easy. Okay, well, you know, in, this, in the age of Trump, it's not something to be as proud of as it used to be.
3: I was hoping for more. Tr- so is Trump part of the secret history that the.
0: Oh, is he like- right? Is he a member of that board of staff protectors? Does he know now.
3: Good Lord, I hope not. Wow. I better be tapes of the Transformers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> staff protectors. That sounds so horrible.
3: When did he Nick- was holding the orb, Was did he think he was summoning a robot?
0: Uh, yeah, with the Saudi uh, overlords. Sure. Uh, did Nick D say anything else? Uh,
2: He says this thing that is really confusing to me, but I still want to read it. Mm -hmm. Um, A far better use of everyone's time would be to watch Tony Zhu's Every Frame of Painting YouTube video about Bayhem, which just demonstrates how Michael Bay is skilled at capturing every specific type of motion on film, but basically doesn't know how to apply it or do anything else. So I don't know what that means, but I'm totally curious about it.
0: Okay, tell us the name of the video again
2: it's it's every Tony Zhu tony z h o u right. every frame of painting okay video about bam which is b-a-y-h-e-m so and and nick d finally says i'm sorry you guys had to watch this
0: nick d we're sorry you had to watch it as well
2: yeah sorry about that so there's He's the only
0: german yeah well the, yeah those were the only three people we made see it that we know
2: of yeah and Chris okay. Chris Markerson does also talk about the Cuba thing, <laughs> which you, we have. Oh, nice my God. About. Yeah. It's
0: like they got John Turturro for like uh, three days oh, of yeah. shooting in some place that looks vaguely like Cuba. Uh, yeah, I, just, I thought he's John Turturro was make a
2: mojito joke.
0: Yeah, yeah I thought he was going to be our Stanley Tucci early on. I was like, OK, good. I'm on board with this. But no, he's just in a couple of scenes. What the heck? He's such a fan favorite. They had to work him in. And the Steve Bushimi voice. So Kelly Wan, did you even know that Steve Buscemi was one of the Transformer voices? Because you get you you had to see the German equivalent of Steve Bushimi as the junkyard salesman transformer.
3: Oh, is that guy?
0: Yeah, Steve Bushimi showed up to do that. What's he trying to sell? Junk. Oh. To Walbert? It's about on par. Uh to the other isn't he like providing stuff to the other Transformers? I forget. I so guess, what the- is what is he selling? I forget.
3: That's the settings Michael Bay wanted to show us in this fifth movie in the franchise: a junkyard, a go desert, on. go on, uh, underwater, go on, stuff, a destroyed planet, go on, um, Normandy like Beach. Bat, Don't forget Normandy, yeah, Normandy Beach. The beach. Uh, the back's the, the trunk of a car. The British. <laughs> we
0: also is. had a, a fight that starts in a little tiny town at a at a crossroads and then moves next door to a skyscraper. That
2: was yeah. great, too.
1: Yeah. How, did that,
2: where, how did that happen? <laughs> they fell out of a skyscraper into an old town from Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Right, right. That's that
0: little that street. Uh, that you have the Thor fight. <laughs> and then whoops, there's a skyscraper right next door to it. Dingus. that they erected those, at some point.
3: Those are really effective <laughs> opponents, too, by the way. Those little TIE fighters. They can't shoot you and hurt you. And Walberg can walk down them to the ground
0: uh so kelly Wan, you because again you saw it in german mark Wahlberg explains that urkel yeah. got shot with a beanbag round not What's, a lethal round why did they shoot him with beanbags because obviously they didn't want to kill him it's just like okay let's go non-lethal on this fella let's shoot this guy let's shoot this other Wahlberg through an, an elevator wall but no right. don't kill him right yeah, all and right. don't don't harm the black sidekick yeah. and then they leave and then they leave i guess i think they all get shot down i guess trf TRF Transformer Response Force. Did I make that up, or is that correct? I feel like that's correct. Are they the shield of? Yes, Kelly Wand. Exactly. There might even be Josh Duhamel. Uh, So, Dingus, did you think you were watching Timothy Oliphant, or did Uh, you remember that it was Josh Duhamel?
2: I did not, but Chris Chris Markinson thought he was watching watching Timothy Oliphant.
0: Because that's the thing about Josh Duhamel is I. No, he was in the other ones, but I'd forgotten. So he is so forgettable that I'd forgotten I was watching him in the previous movies, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Timothy Oliphant is in these. I forgot." But I didn't. It forget. Seems, I just, it's weird to
3: have a character who's in the army in these movies because the guy can never do anything. Like the he's either failing against bad transformers, right? Or, you know what I mean? I was
2: just, like, I was just wondering story. if he was supposed to be Titus Welliver. Oh, we didn't get a Titus Welliver. I don't think. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, who would have been our Titus Wellover? Yeah, there wasn't a Titus Wellover. Yep. Wait, did he die in the first – why couldn't we have Titus Wellover back? I don't know. I guess he was doing that Bosch thing on Amazon, so he couldn't show up for a shooting of Transformers movie. Uh, how about that Tony Hale? <sighs> what a waste of Tony Hale. Good lord. I know. And, Seriously, and so they think Hopkins he was the too, Jeff Goldblum of <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Oh dingus, that's so sad. Uh although I did know which character I was the moment he says, and I wrote this down, quote, I'm going to rely on physics and math to save the earth, not oh. mysticism, fairies, and hobgoblins. That's Michael Bay <laughs> from Him to Us. So Kelly Wan, is that good writing or bad writing?
3: Uh <laughs> well it's bad, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's question. good about it? Um, is it writing?
0: <laughs> All
3: right, that's my question.
0: Fair point. You. <laughs> Kelly, what you also missed? Anthony Hopkins saying to Cogsworth during a car chase, oh, "You don't have to kill people." Oh, uh, like, why is the car chase is getting so violent? Because the car chase is getting violent. People are gonna get hurt. Oh, movie, so that implies he has killed people.
3: I guess and so. And that,
0: that, that basically, like, yeah, you're like, Cogsworth. You're not, killing a, people. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait. wait Cogman. His name is Cogman, right? Cogsworth yeah. is a robot in Fallout 4. Oh. Is that correct, Kelly Wand?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Cogman is the robot in this. Uh, I know it's Cogsworth. In Fallout. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, so then, all right. Uh, also, Kelly Wand, because you saw it in German, you missed at the end when they're dragging those big old space anchors across cities. There's yeah. a news broadcast that says uh, entire cities are getting scraped up. Uh, millions could die. <laughs> like they present a the possibility that if something doesn't stop this, it hasn't necessarily happened yet, but millions might die. Like they're very, it's a very much like a forward looking possibility that if something doesn't get stopped, it hasn't happened yet, so don't worry too much, but millions could die, they take pains to say. But they the images seen in the news of the like
2: millions. images of the Earth being just shaved.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sure people are okay in that though,
3: dingus. Yeah, no one lives there in right. any of those 18,000 spots over thousands and thousands of miles. Yeah, that's the thing. Why not just make it an R-rated apocalypse movie with fucking? How you know so. the answer to that?
0: I don't get. I really don't. I don't understand. Like, it would be a better movie. No it, no it, it no, uh, uh, no it would not it would make less yeah, it, would, money. it would make it, less money and therefore it is not a better movie a no, better they, movie is only go, as wait, there's an R rated transformers movie. this i got to see that sounds want, crazy movie is only as good as the amount of money it makes the target audience for this is dumb kids they can't go to R rated movies Yeah, they they're can not. they can go with a 17 year old as a guardian uh, never it actually it has to be to a parent go. it has to be a parent or guardian i believe right so, but they don't, but that's good enough.
1: You know?
3: <laughs> I mean, like when I saw Robocop and when I was thirteen, it was really exciting. So I want to give thirteen-year-olds that experience, and they don't get that anymore. They don't get anything R-rated. Who took you
2: long. to see it? Uh, I snuck in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it's That's just, it's just, it's a math right. thing, Kelly Wan. There, there's Transformers franchise is never going to be rated R. It's based on toys. Yeah, but there was an Alien toy and that was an R-rated movie. No, 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 but Alien was never based on toys. Alien was based on H.R. Giger and Dan O'Bannon being really freaky. No, I know, but there was an Alien toy that came out right it after matter. that. It doesn't matter, it was, was not they based on commercial store. it. Right, but there were toys. Transformers is a license for people who played with the the toys. It's for children. Just so rate I the toys, though. Just go. No, this toy, you have to be. We have a seventeen-year-old
3: has to watch watch you play it. Dingus, help me out here. I'm just saying, we pick we. These rules exist arbitrarily, and we can just shut them all down if
0: they we don't. Like, exist like, for, for money. You know, Kelly
3: wants is a business decision. They don't exist arbitrarily. <laughs> no, but all the, but the businesses could go. Look, we're just going to not. We're going to put this out there and just see what happens.
0: Fuck you and your ratings.
2: <laughs> not
1: how. <laughs>
0: This dialogue rated. That's a great thing to do with a $200 million movie. Look, we're just going to put this out there and see how it does. That's a great wise, in, wise investment you in your budget, Kelly Wand. If, after four CG
3: 13s, they just go, well, this one's going to be R rated. Let's see what happens.
1: <laughs>
0: and, then, and then if it's a hit, I mean, Trump, no one said Trump could win. So. To Kelly Wand's credit, R rated Transformers. To Kelly Wand's Trump. credit, there is a Deadpool and a Logan that have your do, back on that, who, Kelly Wand. Exactly.
3: I think the times are changing and it's turning towards Kelly, my, tell us a little bit
0: about an R-rated Transformers movie what can we expect from that Megan Fox shows them
1: Optimus Prime one, uh, has two, a giant two, three, blue dick one, nine, three, from
3: behind peeing.
1: <laughs>
3: go on. I'm taking notes from the studios go on um,
2: when does it turn purple
3: John Tuturo plays a child molester bowler? Okay. From Conair. It was Conair rated R, by the way.
2: Yes, See? Another
3: one. There's another Michael Bay. But was Conair rated R? It's.
0: Yeah, what? Or I Actually, I actually don't know. And it wasn't Michael Bay, was it? Conair was Simon West.
1: Am I wrong? You know what
0: though bad, bad boys was rated R, and so is Bad Boys too. Ah, you're right, because they have naked corpses they throw out of the back of an ambulance the yeah. corpses have breasts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's the new R as you receive ticks now. That's the new exciting okay. instead of tits. Well, alright, so uh yeah, we saw
2: a Transformers movie. Let's move on to <laughs> I don't know why they you they like There's a the reason they call it a drive shaft.
0: Uh, Kelly Juan, you also missed uh, – by the way, I hate to go back to this – uh, the little Hispanic girl's Transformer, his name huh? was Canopy.
2: Aw. No, <laughs> like Canopy the... was the one that was over top of them.
0: No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, but uh, that was her Transformer.
2: Not her little blue Transformer.
0: No, 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 the guy who had the Canopy thing. It's like it was a literal oh, name. Right. Canopy. What was the little guy's name, the little blue guy?
2: I don't even know. Well, like
0: Sm- so. Smiggle or something. Squeaks. Uh, that sounds about right, Kelly Wand. Yeah, That's his name in German.
3: She kept screaming it at him.
0: Kelly Wand, what is this week's 3x3?
3: I didn't, it's not my topic.
0: I know. So just I checking to see if you were paying attention. Oh, uh, It's the three best uh, chandeliers, according to that, I Oh, I already did that. that. That turned out to be a good mm-hmm. one, though. Uh, so I basically picked this, your, your three favorite laughs, because... Uh, And I didn't have anything in mind. So for most of this week, I hated this topic because I couldn't think of anything good. But I picked it just because I really like Drax's – Dave Bautista's laugh as Drax Mm. in Guardians of the Galaxy and specifically how much they played with it in the second one and more specifically how Kelly Wand could do a rendition of it. So I love that laugh. I love Dave Bautista's (sighs) just hearty Drax laugh. And from that, I wanted to do a three-by-three about laughs, whether it is the laugh in and of itself or it's the role, it's the placement of the laugh, or specifically when a laugh happens or why it happens or whatever. Uh, this is going to be a pretty straightforward one. I can't imagine anyone is going to get in trouble with the law. So, Kelly Wan, let's have you start us off with your third. Is that right, Kelly Wan, first? Yeah, with your third favorite laugh. My number three is from a motion
3: picture called Bullshot, which was like a parody <clears throat> of Bulldog Drummond. It came out in the 80s. It's like set in the 1920s. And there's like a, what do you call them, flappers? Yeah. 1920s ladies. Yeah, they go to he speak. He tells her to act natural. Yeah, they're in a, sque- a, a squeak easy. It's <laughs> a different thing. And he's all, act wow. natural, like, say, act like I said something funny. And then she's all, <laughs> like, for 10 minutes. Who is the actress? Her name is uh, Rachel Bittekers. Oh, is that true? Or you just made that up? I made that up, but it's probably something like
0: that because she's British,
3: so
1: that's where I get
0: the Rachel. So the fake flapper laugh in Bullshot. Yeah. All right. Bullshot. Dingus, yeah. what what what's your favorite scene in Bullshot?
2: Uh, the point in the when they're looking through the shower, the hole in the shower to see the girls who are naked on the other side. Very Porky's inspired, yeah.
0: Her name's Diz White. <laughs> That's, I liked your first one better. Rebecca Diz Phoenix. White. Wow, yeah. Diz White. Poor girl. Diz White. She okay.
3: plays Rosemary Fenton in
0: it. So if we were to Google Rosemary Fenton Laugh, you'd probably get a whole bunch of hits and like YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. all right, good. Good to know. Rose- Dingus, third favorite laugh in a
2: movie. All right, here's a quote from it. That is the most authentic hysterical laugh of my entire life.
1: Hmm.
3: Wait, we just saw this. We did? Yeah. Oh.
0: I don't recognize it. What was last week? I forgot already. Uh the Mum no, wait. Was Mummy last mom... week? <laughs> no, Wonder no, Woman. Uh, uh, yeah, actually. Wonder Woman, right, right. The other forgettable
2: action movie from this summer.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh! By the way, Wonder Woman. Oh, that was a kicking... left.
2: You just did a Drax left just then. Oh, <laughs> thank you.
0: Right. Uh, Wonder Woman kicking ass finally passed uh, Batman vs. Superman. She is now the highest-grossing DC Comics character in the world. So, congratulations to Wonder Woman. It couldn't have happened to a nicer movie, even though I didn't care for it. Hmm. All right. But she's kicking ass and taking names at the box office. Unlike what would happen if we had, say, an R-rated Transformers movie. Good point. So you don't know that. What if it was
3: All an right. R-rated Wonder Woman Transformers movie? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. R- Wonder Woman should have been R-rated too. That's still part. You're actually making my case for me. It would have made even <laughs> more money.
2: Yeah, I I'll think be it's an R-rated, R-rated Wonder
3: Woman. Recognize
2: the quote. All right, um, that is the most real, authentic, hysterical laugh of my entire life. Uh, is um, a laugh that Rocket Raccoon makes in the first Guardians of the Galaxy oh. movie.
0: Oh. I can hear Bradley Cooper's raccoon voice saying that.
2: Yep. So that's uh, when uh, they're having their inspiring little meeting, and he challenges Peter Quill to tell him how <laughs> how much of a plan he has. And he <laughs> says, "I right, twelve twelve percent of a plan." And then Rocket Raccoon goes, <laughs> and Peter Quill goes, "That's a fake laugh." <laughs> <laughs> and so they just argue a little bit about whether the laugh was real or not. And I love that fake laugh because it reminds me of one of my fake laughs from TV. So uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, you chose Guardians of the Galaxy to introduce the topic, volume two, uh, which I think was very appropriate. And so I'm choosing the first Guardians of the Galaxy for my third choice.
0: I love the juxtaposition of a cute little raccoon with that just bitter, cynical, pissed-off mm. personality that Rocket Raccoon has. I don't know if that's from the comics, but
2: uh, it just, it, James Gunn makes it work so well. I never could have imagined that working. I didn't, yeah. I I would not have believed I would have loved the first Guardians of the Galaxy's Mystery Partly because I could not imagine a Rocket Raccoon being a character that you would care about. But the moment, there's so many great moments, but that moment where he's on Groot's shoulder and he catches the gun that Drax throws to him and goes, oh, yeah. I mean, that moment, I'm like, okay.
0: Well, and I just love like his relationship with Groot, and I still, yep. it's such a powerful moment to me when the collector's uh, like uh, museum is blowing up, and Groot grabs the little raccoon and like, like protects him from the purple explosion and the raccoon's just like what what's going on like he's so vulnerable and tiny (laughs) at that point and there's a huge purple explosion behind him that's going to kill him and this giant tree that's his buddy saves him i love that
2: (laughs) and the bar fight is between him and drax you know they're they're having a bar fight (laughs) that's right
3: (laughs) that's right oh see marvel (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, why couldn't Wonder Woman have stuff that? Yeah, good? I'm just saying. DC gets to that level. Of- <laughs> All right, uh, this let's just get this off the table. It had to happen sooner or later. Uh, my favorite laugh, and this is one specifically for the laugh itself. Uh, I think it eventually became annoying over later movies, but seeing it the first time and going back and hearing it, it holds up. Even though over time it got super annoying, but. When Mayor Vaughn says to Hooper, I bet you'd love to prove that there's a shark killing everyone. Get yourself in the National Geographic because he's been having a big argument with Hooper and Brody about whether to close the beaches. And Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfus at this point, has just had it. And he does his Richard Dreyfus laugh, which is kind of – I would describe it as a chuckle that revs up and gathers speed as it goes. And there's just that bit right there with uh, Murray Hamilton's the actor playing Vaughn, um, and there's there's Brody there played by Roy Scheider, and it's just Richard Dreyfus unspooling his Richard Dreyfus laugh. There's a little bit more of it later in the movie with Quint, but this is where we get it in its in its purest form. Yeah, Kelly, was Woody that with- improvised? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there was also like you get it in Close Encounters and I doubt it was improvised. And actually, the funny thing about going back and watching that scene, uh, Spielberg is so like it's one long shot. It slowly tracks towards the billboard where we see what they're talking about, uh, and it is so it, – it, it looks so chaotic with how the mayor is standing here, and then Brody's on one side, and Hooper's on the other side, and Hooper loses his patience and walks into the background, and the mayor strolls over to the left, and then Brody comes around behind him, and then Hooper comes up between them. It's just a it, – it's a blocking it, – it's so intricately blocked and composed, but yet it seems so chaotic. Uh, it's just an example of, of Spielberg's just brilliant control uh, as a director that far back. Um, what did he do? You think he directed him and went, hey, laugh
3: like a maniac when he says that.
0: <laughs> I, I actually don't know. I would be curious. Like, I, I you know, he's working with th- – these are basically 70s actors, right? They're, right? they're from this generation here. And he's working with these guys, and, and they probably rehearse the scene, and I imagine Spielberg gives them, you know, marks. Like at this point when the camera's here at this conversation, uh, Dreyfus, you need to be here. Scheider, you need to be here. Murray Hamilton, you need to be here. Like You mark that as an block actor. It. Yeah, exactly. It's blocking, and, but the, the actors are so good. Who knows how many takes they had to do of it? The actors are so good, uh, and Spielberg is just so meticulous as a director that it just comes off looking effortless and natural. Uh, like that right there, if you, were to, if you were to show a film class how to block a scene. Just that's three sequences. And actually, there's a lot of that in Jaws. Just three people talking. How do you shoot yeah. that? <laughs> You're just going to have a conversation. Sometimes they're just all sitting down, by the way, like that Indianapolis scene in the Hall of the Orca. It's two guys at a table, one guy leaning against a wall. Nobody moves. And there's like, you know, what is that? A 10, 12 minute scene at least. Yeah. And they're all
3: laughing, which is funny because, like, if you know the history of Jaws and, like, how everyone was just pissed off the whole right. shoot, it's yeah. funny that. The laughter is what you remember. Like, quit laughs a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. And But maybe Spielberg just said, give me the Dreyfus laugh. Like, he won't, he knew – it was something Dreyfus just does Well, anyway. I don't think
0: Dreyfus had – Dreyfus had just probably been in The Graduate and maybe, maybe a couple of others. Yeah, things. but that might be his real laugh because he doesn't close no, no, sure it is, I, the counter I'm
3: because all, ah, I'm lost. Remember? Wait, what? What were you saying? In Close Encounters, he's in his, like, truck by the railroad tracks. He's right. looking at the
0: map. He's all, oh, I'm lost. Right, right. He does his Richard Dreyfus laugh. Yeah, he yeah. Does his Richard <laughs> Dreyfus laugh. Yeah.
3: But he does it there to say he's lost. Like Spielberg went,
0: do the Dreyfus laugh. <laughs> right. Oh, I see. Right, right. And they're, they're collaborations. Yeah. Together. Right, yeah. Uh, but
3: aliens are about to give you – you're about to have the most terrifying experience of your life. So laugh
0: <laughs> like maniac. I that makes watch. me think of Jeff Bridges talking about doing Big Lebowski with the Coen Brothers, and before certain scenes, he would ask the Coen Brothers, "Okay, how stoned am I in this scene?"
1: Yeah,
0: on like a scale of one to ten, <laughs> they would give him a number, so he would like rub his eyes to make him red to a certain degree. But right, uh, I, I love that idea that they just kind of got a little interaction, like how stoned is this scene? How much? Try I'm always a B plus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ding- oh no, Kelly Wand. What's oh, a laugh that's even better than uh, Rachel Bonafiz's laugh in Bullshot? Uh, this is my stupidest one, so I may swap it out for a listener
3: submission when I hear like a good one that'll make I me see. feel dumb.
0: Right. can't right. do that.
3: No. <laughs> well, in an R-rated Transformers world, I can. Dang, it's during the Trump
0: administration, Kelly won't get away with anything.
1: Yeah, I'm
3: the Kushner. I'm making peace in the Middle East <laughs> just by staring at people.
2: Your uh, big blue dick.
3: Yeah, in uh, Die Hard at the end, Bruce Willis starts laughing. No, this is a
2: good one. I really like this one, actually. Is
3: it? Cause I know, I think I, it is. I feel like it's not like... Um, Wait, the describe th- it more. I
2: can't... I, I don't remember. Could describe a- it. It, what do you What are you afraid of that it's not authentic Because I think it's hilarious. I think it's a great choice. Kelly. Describe it, Kelly well,
3: what happens? All of, okay, so Bruce so by it's the, near the end of the movie and Bruce Willis uh, is coming into the oh, room. oh yeah, yeah, yeah with
0: the with the gun taped to his back.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And, yeah, and so he's, cover- he's camouflaging that by acting like he's kind of lost it, and he's suicidal, I think is what he's trying to do, and that's what the laugh's supposed to be. like. Uh-huh. And the first time I saw the movie, and he starts laughing, and Bail mcmahon has got a gun on him, and then his like sidekick has a gun on him, and everyone's you know laughing what, but
2: Bonnie Bedelia. Do you know what his laugh is in response to, though? What, his, what the specific line is? No, I forgot. What is it? It's Alan Rickman trying to parrot his own line.
0: Oh, the yippee-ki-yay.
3: <laughs> <and> <laughs> Alan Rickman
2: going, yippee ki motherfucker.
3: <laughs> that's what he laughs at?
2: <laughs> yeah, and he just and, they, and the, both of them just start laughing, and that's what disarms them. I mean, literally, yeah, but yeah. Ah, yeah,
0: very yeah, good, Dingus, look at you. Right, right. And it turns out to be a fake laugh then. Like, at least. On but it's part. not because he knows he's got the upper hand on Hans Gruber at that point. That's true.
3: Yeah.
1: Though.
0: But when I first saw the movie, it's hard to do this.
3: But if you go if you can go back and picture how you felt like the first time you saw it at that point of the movie, I didn't know that there was I didn't I knew I was watching a movie called Die Hard and it wasn't like a franchise yet. And he'd been getting his ass kicked pretty hard through that movie. Like his feet are fucked up and he's good enough shoots him through the shoulder. He's like, oh, he's like super major pain. That's what I need. That's why it's better than Transformers and R-rated. But um, he <laughs> is like I actually thought when he was laughing like that, like it's a, everyone's gonna die in this shot. Laugh, like oh,
0: they're all laughing
3: because it's gonna be a huge gunfight and everyone's gonna die. And it's called. Well, die I don't,
0: Hard. I don't, I don't know if you remember this, Kelly Wan, but Die Hard was u- unique as far as action movies for just how much John McClane got his ass kicked. Like yeah. it, it was kind of like you know the action movies that back then were jean-claude van damme and schwarzenegger and stallone and stuff just being impervious and yeah. here comes john McTiernan with and this Wahlberg. now well, oh, well yeah but here comes john McTiernan doing a movie where the guy just gets his ass kicked right and left and he's constantly on the run and he's scared like yeah. he's scared of mm-hmm. bullets he's like sweating. he's not su- tough yeah exactly like that was what would... that was kind of revolutionary in die hard at the time he
3: doesn't know he's in a movie called die hard Right? <laughs>
1: He's he doesn't really know he's the hero
3: in an action movie, right, yeah, they, they he's play tying with the a... fire so he's like, "This is the dumbest fucking thing.
0: what am I doing what oh, it's great he, he basically knows he's like a, every man in a Hitchcock movie he yeah. doesn't know any better, yeah, oh
2: well, Indiana yeah. Jones got his ass kicked pretty damn hard i mean he get he gets shot then punched in the place where he was shot i mean he gets he gets his ass straight- beat yeah. up,
0: yeah. Is he ever –
2: he is scared. Like he's not scared. He's he's not scared in the way you're saying it, and I think that there's a a good – He doesn't get
1: hurt later.
2: But he just – he gets his ass kicked, and there's even a joke about that as they get on the boat, and she's like, does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does this hurt? hurt?" So he gets his ass kicked all the time, but you're right about the scared thing, I think, Tom. (laughs) Was I the only one in
0: Transformers: The Last Night who thought of Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Last Ar- Lost Ark when Bumblebee rode the submarine?
3: <laughs>
0: Maybe not. I mean, I'm seeing it in German, so because Indiana Jones, he rides a submarine across the Atlantic or wherever. He just right. hitches a ride on a submarine. So when it goes underwater, he's you know just hanging on.
3: Which really is one of the awesomest things he ever did. So it's weird that. They glossed over it in the movie, Because yeah. it's like, if you hung onto a submarine,: yeah. uh, I complained I,
2: about that on one of our podcasts, and people just shouted me down and said, "It's a diesel submarine," So they had the thing up, and he was just uh, snorkeling the whole time. Uh, that's not how diesel submarines work. Wait, what? I don't know. Uh,
0: I saw – there's a movie that Kelly Wan really should see because it's basically P.G. Wodehouse by way of uh. Hudson Hawk. Um, I, I saw a Johnny Depp movie <laughs> called – This is a serious thing called Mordecai, which which bombed. Everybody hated it. But Uh, I have a soft spot for Mordecai. So the the joke in Mordecai is that he's just a English poofter who's really terrible at what he does. But all of the cool stuff that he does, his sidekick, kind of his Cato, is a guy named Jock Strap. S-T-R-A-P-P. That's his last name. His first name is Jock. Uh, Jock, played by Paul Bettany, just gets his ass kicked and does the fighting and the shooting for him. So there's a point where Johnny Depp gets on, like uh, he gets kidnapped and drugged and thrown on a Learjet, and the Learjet's going down the runway and taking off, and it shows Paul Bettany running towards the Learjet, and the Learjet takes off, and we're just supposed to assume that, yeah, he's riding it wherever they're taking Johnny Depp, because he's got to be there to rescue him later. But David Kep, who directed this movie, Inserts a shot of uh, Paul Bettany with like frost on him. He's freezing, clutching the landing gear of the Learjet while it's at like 20,000 feet in the air. He's just like, this is how miserable this poor guy is riding the (laughs) Learjet to France or wherever they're flying to,
2: which was really cute.
0: And they didn't, you know, we didn't get to see that part of Indiana Jones riding the submarine. How cold, wet, miserable he would have been.
2: Yeah, I laughed. I laughed because I did. I didn't ever imagine there would be a podcast where you would bring up Hudson Hawk before I did.
0: I only did it accidentally because, Blowingly. as I was watching Mordecai, which I watched again last night, I kept thinking, you know, this must be how Dingus feels when he watches Hudson Hawk. <laughs> that was my- you like it that much? Yeah, yeah, I love Mordecai. I mean, Mordecai's terrible, but I, I love it. It's the last time I think. Well, I mean, Johnny Depp really commits. You can tell he he's he's on board with this. Uh, And there's some good actors in it, like Paul Bettany, he's also pretty funny. Oh, good lord, it's great Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, even if you think the movie's terrible, it's a great showcase for just how elegant and beautiful Gwyneth Paltrow is. She's made out of NASA. She's what, out of NASA?
2: Nothing, never mind. He said she's made out of NASA.
3: Yeah, because she has these stickers that are supposed to be healing crystals. And she said NASA, it's made out of NASA
0: material. Oh, you're talking about actual Gwyneth Paltrow actress wacky stuff? Yeah. Kelly Wan, don't mess up my movie-going experience wow. with that. Instance. I don't want to know that. That's oh, you have to explain.
2: one of my references. Jeez. Oh,
0: yeah, you have to explain the incident to me.
3: I
2: didn't understand the incident. Oh, well. It, it, El incidento. El incidento.
0: <laughs> uh, it's all based on that image of the the gerbil in the running wheel. In the, in the, in the, in the little wheel. Oh, uh, all right.
1: We'll so talk about circle. it
0: later. Yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's somebody. It's somebody in a never-ending cycle, and and his presence in it powers it, basically. You know, we'll talk later. Uh, all right. <laughs> Ke- wait, where were we? <laughs> Kelly Wan's number two was wait. Oh my god, I've completely stopped taking. It out. was
2: it was D hard.
0: Oh right, right. And he's going to replace it with a listener submission later because his pick sucked. So Digus, number
1: one's
0: <laughs> okay. What is your second favorite laugh in a movie?
2: All right here's a quote from it. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. Ah,
0: uh, oh, that's a great one. Yeah, that is pretty famous. Why didn't I think of that one? I mean, you know, yeah, I thought of that. That was one of my runners up.
2: Uh, the I, actual laugh is the laugh that Ray Liotta does, which always seems to me to be the weirdest, most open-mouthed, yeah, uh, just <laughs> cackling. There's so much coming out of him at that moment. After, and this is of course from Goodfellas. Um, and after this moment where this this guy Joe Pesci's character is such a scary dude and he's made him feel scared about what do you mean I'm funny you think I'm a fucking clown and everybody at the table's scared that he's just going to pull a gun out and shoot he, he could shoot anybody he's just one of those guys and when finally finally Joe Pesci's character goes come on uh i had you i totally had you Ray Lane's laugh after that is this weird mix of of relief and desperation, and also just laughing. I laughter.
3: genuinely think it was funny. Yeah. Like loving it as a joke.
2: <laughs> loving it as a joke, but also understanding that this is a guy who is one of the closest people in my life, but I never will know if I can trust him. It's right. this weird, it's this great, this laugh. Just, I can see it in my head. I can see yeah. Ray Liotta's like mouth just so wide open and laughing in this weird way. It just so kind of
0: explodes out of his face. like he lets exactly. his, It comes out of his yeah. eyes, out of his mouth. It's just his face. Yeah. It's like light, like when somebody's like possessed by God in a movie or something, and they just light shines out of their eyes yeah. and their mouth. Ray Liotta's like that with just this
2: big old open-mouth laugh. Yeah. That's a great way to put it, Tom. Like, yeah. It's exploding out of his face. That's why I love that so much. Yeah. So wait, is he,
0: doing, he... is he doing that when Joe Pesci then is like, what do you mean, I amuse you? Or is it much lighter, and then that crazy laugh is after Joe Pesci says, i was oh, just kidding you.
3: Okay, it's after. And then he oh, goes, That's even better. That's goes, even better. he goes,
2: Ollie, you're a real funny
3: guy. Like, he says it again. And then the right, and right. then and then Japeshi draws his gun, and then they laugh even harder. <laughs> he actually has <laughs> his gun. <in>. That's awesome. <laughs> <It's the
0: best. laughs> oh, man. He was, he was that's such a great pick.
3: Uh, okay, that's my number two. I was kidding before. Um, yeah, because your all,
0: diehard pick was so terrible. I'm glad we yeah, got I that out in, of the way. And <laughs> it, I was at work
3: a year ago, and my boss was talking to me about something, and then I did a line from it. I said, "Like, oh, so I'm a clown to you?" And then he didn't get it. He's like, "Oh, things are getting a little uncomfortable with Juan here." <laughs> and like three or four other people present. And instead of me go, like explaining it to him, I just got infuriated that he didn't get it. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm idiot! I quit. I'm out of here. He sucks.
2: Can so we bad. Skype in Dingus so he can get my movie references? <laughs> yeah.
0: NASA. All right, I'm going to bring the room down a little bit because I might get in trouble here. Uh, with yourself? Yeah, with myself. Um, with I'm throwing over. myself at y'all's mercy. But hear me out. My second favorite laugh in a movie. I'm not sure I realized. Well, okay. I'm going to do a line from it. Kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> okay, that right there is the laugh. It is also... Japanese words. Oh, man. So You're,
2: okay, I have to leave now. This is yeah, going to freak
0: me this out. Is not, this is not for you. There's a uh, movie called Audition, which uh, uh, Takashi uh, Miyake directed, uh, and it's actually based on a novel, and I want to talk about the novel in a minute. But at the very end of it, I think the movie is uh, – it's, it's plenty ambiguous, but I'm pretty sure – I'm pretty comfortable with my interpretation that it's just about this guy who runs afoul of this incredibly sadistic woman who tortures him at the end of the movie. And a lot of the movie is – just him racked with pain trying to rationalize what is happening to him because he doesn't understand it I mean he's just some crazy psycho woman and one of the things when she's torturing him that she does is she sinks needles underneath his eyeballs first in his torso and then underneath his eyeballs and as she's doing it she says and the subtitle lists the words uh, deeper 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 she says the word kiri over and over which in in Japanese I think is spelled k-i-r-i um but she says it with the cadence of a giggle and i have furthermore uh found that there is some debate as to whether or not deeper because she's pushing the needle in saying deeper 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 uh is actually a, an accurate translation that the actual word she's saying is an onomatopoeia for something that hurts <laughs> like kind of ouch uh But she's also delivering it with this very carefree kind of uh, – there's a kind of a delight to the way that she says it. And her character doesn't giggle. Like she's not someone who laughs. And furthermore, there's a whole thing in not just Japanese but I think Asian culture in general where women are self-conscious about laughing and they cover their mouths when they laugh. Like laughter is seen I think in a lot of traditional Asian cultures as something that that women need to not – Really do, um, so I. To me, it seems that that little kitty 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 bit that she's saying when she's pushing the needle in is kind of a giggle. Uh, it has the quality of a giggle, and because she doesn't laugh per se, it's her version of laughing. She's doing something incredibly sadistic at that moment, and she's doing it with a light-hearted taunt. And I think that interpreting it as a giggle just kind of reinforces how sadistic she is uh so that was my theory and that's where i thought i might get in trouble but here's something that i I found out uh this is based on a book by a japanese writer named murakami who's not the one there are two murakamis there's a ryu and a harushi i think it's not the more famous one but one of the less famous ones wrote this book audition and in audition There's none of Miyake's weird playing with what's a dream, what's reality, what things does he know, what things is he guessing, what things has she actually told him. Uh, The the book is really about this woman who this guy runs afoul of and she tortures him. And in the book, her backstory is that she was abused by her uncle. And there's some of this in the movie – but I think in the movie it's ambiguous, and as the guy is being tortured, that's one of the things that he's doing to rationalize it. It's obviously this woman was so abused that this is why she's doing this. So he imagines this backstory about her being terribly abused as a child. He reimagines a previous scene in the movie with new dialogue where she explains all this stuff about her being abused as a child. And this is apparently from the book. And furthermore, in the book, the uncle who abuses her because her parents have died, tells himself, his rationale in his mind, he's abusing her because he thinks she is inhuman because she giggled at her father's funeral. That is his rationale for uh, for abusing this little girl is she's a monster. She giggled at her dad's funeral. Therefore, he's going to abuse her. So that, that was a facet of the book that I'm also kind of using to reinforce this idea that maybe that kitty, kitty, kitty is kind of a giggle. All right. So I don't know. Am I in trouble?
3: I mean, it doesn't sound like a laugh. And you were the one who said, these are really obvious. It's a laugh. We, there'll be no pulling over. Like you said that at the
1: the right.
0: So. If, I'm giving you the powers of arrest, Kelly Wand. No, I don't care. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. Wow. All right. <laughs> but, All right. I guess I win. I got off. It seems weird. Yeah,
2: OK. I think you're going to have to self-police on this one. I, I don't remember it well enough. And it's one of the more disturbing things I've ever seen. <laughs> um, in movies, not in my personal life, Kelly. I don't know why you're laughing. Uh, so I just remember the way it sounded, and it didn't sound like a laugh. But if you can interpret it that way, I mean, he's it's your topic. Asians laugh differently. No, I totally get what he's talking about as far as like covering your mouth, and I, I think that he, uh, I think Tom. Um, stacked it up pretty well. Uh, but it's kind of up to you, Tom, whether or not... I mean, you're going to have to self-police on this All on right, well, friend.
0: going on you saying
2: I stacked it up okay
0: and Kelly Wan not caring, I feel like I've gotten free.
2: Yeah, and my partner is really... <laughs> I don't.
0: What? Good cop and uh, unconcerned I, cop. <laughs> I want an R-rated Transformers movie.
3: Until then, I'm on strike.
2: Good good cop, apathetic cop. Yeah. It's terrible <laughs> I'm a cop. Bloody.
0: Question mark. Exclamation point. It goes over real well in the interrogation room. Yeah, I'm a farmer. <laughs> uh, oh, God. What? Kelly Wand, what oh is God. tell us your favorite laugh in a movie? That's what. My favorite laugh
3: shouldn't be a pullover. I don't think that's a word unless it's for sweaters. But anyway.
0: Uh, my you favorite know what sweaters are called in the UK? Uh, fags. <sighs> Wow. <laughs> Minches. What? Uh, fanny. Fannies. All right, go on. Uh, tea? Teacups. They're called jumpers. You know it. Yeah. Oh. I, just, I, I know English. I thought they were called lorries. Nope, they're called boots and rubbers. Oh, boots. <laughs> I did appreciate how Transformers needed to tell us that England was in the UK for the title of <laughs> That was very helpful. Wait, it said England, comma UK. It did, (laughs) as opposed to the England over there in France, or the one in Thailand, you know,
2: or in Massachusetts. There's an England there, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, it just said England, formerly EU, and
3: then it's
2: It's a Brexit joke.
3: Uh, you know, it's Bay. He's trying to educate while he. uh... My number one is uh, from the motion picture Cape Fear when. Uh, Robert De Niro goes to see Problem Child and sits in front of uh, Nick Nolte and he's laughing like a maniac during Problem Child and I remember really liking the, just as uh, Nick Nolte gives up and decides to leave the theater with his family you like, can't enjoy Problem Child with De Niro here the line in the movie On screen is John Ritter going, I guess I'm going to just quit fathering. And then at that, De Niro
0: goes, ah, (laughs) like that line. Uh, Does Max Cady laugh that way in the original? Like, is there that scene in the original movie? No. I don't think they see Problem Child in the black and
2: (laughs) white. They see Home Alone.
0: Yeah, I think it's Good Ship Lollipop or something I know you've told me this before, but I forgot. What is Problem Child again?
2: What? It's a John Ritter movie, right? It's a John right, Ritter. What movie is it like a bad seed kind kid. of
0: movie about a? Oh, go no, ahead. it's a
3: comedy. Well, he is a bad seed, but he means well. You find out in the end, or something. But it's he like puts a cat in a washing machine. So Ugh. really, yeah, the cat
0: has like broken legs. So ah, that's that, not funny. Okay, yeah. I don't
3: like this movie. But he also drives a car with John Ritter on the windshield, like, through a store. <laughs> through, like, the front <laughs> door. Like, more people... It's basically like a Transformers-level destruction in a seven-year-old redheaded kid doing it. And after that, John Ritter looks at the kid, and he's thinking about smothering him with a pillow. <laughs> Which I think also would have made Max Cady laugh. Is but, the kid uh, his own kid? No, he adopted him, because he wants to be uh. a father. So... He made a really dumb decision. Uh, who
0: plays the kid? Anyone famous like Joseph Mazzella or something?
3: No, just some redheaded fuckwad.
0: In right. Problem <clears throat>
3: Child 2, there's a girl problem child. So oh, wow. It's like they've Is that still John Ritter, or did he move on to yeah, other Yeah, he's things? in the second one. And then I think in the third one, John Ritter's like, yeah, all right. I'd like to be known more for my uh, stay-tuned work.
0: Well, we'll always have Bad Santa. Oh, Bad Santa. Dingus... Give us the best laugh in all of moviedom.
2: Uh, this is a little bit of a sad one, I'm afraid. Um, here's a quote from it. Now give me a medium sized chuckle here. And Sounds so like this is. Cowan's. What'd you say?
3: Maybe Cohen's? Sounds like a Cohen's word.
2: Uh No, it's from a movie called Annie Hall. And um, this is. Uh, From the sequence that I really liked, and I thought of this the moment Tom brought this up, I really like this laugh sequence, uh, because it's sad and uh, cynical. And I like the way it is and what Woody Allen is saying about this. Uh, Because this is from the sequence where he goes out to California, and he's with uh, his friend Rob, or Max. They call each other Max, uh, played by Tony Roberts. And uh, Tony Roberts is... uh, editing the show that he's on you know he's out in la he's doing a television show and basically he's just uh talking to the sound dude in the booth and and telling him how many laughs to add for each joke uh all right now, you know I, I need a big guffaw here um uh no okay make it really big here with some with some clapping and meanwhile woody allen is having a this weird moral dilemma, not moral dilemma, just telling him this is wrong. You're what you're doing is wrong. You're adding laughs to something that's not funny. And he's like, man, don't worry about it, Max. This is just the way we do it out here. Uh, and, and then he does this thing where he says, now give me a medium sized chuckle right here. And at about this time, Woody Allen's character, who is really nervous about having to go to do this awards presentation that he's going to do is having a panic attack. uh, kind of brought on by watching the way Los Angeles works and how weird he feels about the idea of selling out and uh, where he is in his life and where he is with Annie at that particular time. And just watching this whole process of his friend, this great friend of his from New York, who's moved out to LA and just totally sold his soul to be this television star and adding laughter where laughter doesn't belong to this television show, which by the way, has um tracy walter and i mean it's really cool watching the 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 little television thing i got to watch annie hall again this week and uh, i watched a couple of woody allen movies because i thought there would be some good laugh stuff in it but this is my favorite this 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 comment that woody allen is making about television in a movie
0: and now woody allen is doing a tv series
2: exactly which i hear is horrible
0: I bet you it doesn't have a laugh track,
2: though. Yeah. He's, He's deep, doing deep. a television series on Amazon, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Dingus, Alexandra has seen it, and it's just she said it's terrible. Yeah, Dingus is watching
0: Veep instead of that, Kelly Wand. Oh. Veep. Ah, you know. Veep. Veep. All right, Annie Hall. Mm. Also starring okay. Sigourney Weaver.
2: And oh. Jeff Goldblum. I mean, it stars so many, so many people that you just that you're like, oh my god, that person showed up later on. Uh, Jeff Goldblum also in Mordecai. Just so you
0: guys know, in case you're wondering. What? Kelly Wan, you should totally see Mordecai. I've decided. Uh. All right. Just, you know, there's yeah. Don't give me any back talk. It's going to happen. Make oh, it happen. That was back talk. <laughs> yeah, it started to all be. All right. Oh, okay. okay. I'm in. My favorite laugh in a movie. And I didn't have this for a while. The uh, me trying to sell the deeper, deeper, deeper line as a laugh was my number one. But then I thought of this. And I was like, oh yeah, duh, of course. <clears throat> so I'm really into opera, but I don't like Pavarotti. Pavarotti's a, a doofus. Uh, Pavarotti's <laughs> like a, a famous tenor, but I just, I whatever. For me, the opera singers that I like. I'm sure Pavarotti is technically proficient, but that's not what I'm into about opera. Like I don't know a high C from a flat F or whatever. I don't know about music. The opera singers who I like are also really good actors. Uh, and they, they Like Placido Domingo, there's a woman named Maria Callas, and you could hear them acting with their voices – Uh, My favorite opera singer is a a, a baritone named uh, Tito Gobi who uh, died a long time ago. But uh, these actors with their voices do acting, and where I first thought, oh, Pavarotti is a doofus. I don't like him. There's a famous aria in an opera called Pagliacci where a clown is putting on his makeup because he's about to go on stage and kill his own wife. Being uh, unfaithful. And it's a famous aria. If you were to hear any of it, you would go, "Oh yeah, that that opera piece." And at the end of it. I heard a Pavarotti recording where he sings it, and it's this whole sad clown archetype, right? He sings about how he's a sad clown, and he's putting on his – it's even called vesti la jupa, which I think means putting on your clothes or whatever. Uh, and after he sings it, there's a really famous note, and he holds it because he's an opera singer, and he's really good, and then the music slowly plays down. And Pavarotti, while the music is slowly playing down, after having done this, this you know beautiful tenor aria, Pavarotti feels the need – on a recording, I could understand maybe on a stage, but on a recording, Pavarotti feels the need to audibly sob at the end of the aria. He sings it, and it's, it's beautiful, fine, but then he goes, and it screws up the aria. Like, dude, I just listened to this beautiful thing. The sobbing is expressed in the music, in the song. The song stands in for the sobbing. You don't do the stupid sobbing yourself on the recording. So. That's what drives me crazy, and it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what's amazing about opera. Now, there's a movie, I don't like musicals. Dingus is our musical guy. There's a musical where one of the criticisms levied against it, and I think Kelly Wand might have brought this up, is that the actors in the movie, they sing and dance like actors rather than singers and dancers. And there's an there's a song where one of them laughs, not once, but twice during the song, and that would normally drive me crazy, but it just made me think, oh, yeah, she's singing not like a singer, but like an actress. There's acting here. She's connecting with the other actor in a duet by laughing, and the movie is La La Land, and there's a there's a song in La La Land that uh, that Ryan Gosling sings alone early on called City of Stars, and it's basically after he's <laughs> just met uh, Emma Stone, and he's he's – kind of on cloud nine he's really into her but he doesn't know how it's going to turn out and so he sings this song city of stars it's the santa monica pier it's it's a great little bit and then later on after they've hooked up they sing that song as a duet and there are two moments in the duet where Emma Stone just laughs while she's singing the lyrics because she's sitting there with Ryan Gosling. They're looking at each other. She's just so delighted with him. Her character is so in love with him that she just laughs while she's trying to sing the lyric. And Damien Chazelle didn't like cut, cut, do it over again. You laughed. He just lets it be part of the duet. And and it's beautiful. Uh, and it just, you know. It annoys me when Pavarotti does it because it has no place in opera where everything is abstracted. But in a movie like La La Land, which I really love because you see the actors interacting with each other, that completely works for me. So my favorite laugh in a movie is Emma Stone's two laughs. There are two lines where she's like "Ah," when she laughs when she's singing uh, in City of Stars. And there you go. So does either of you like – is it because I've seen the movie 12 times that I know that stuff? Like does either of you know the laugh I'm talking about or is that too esoteric?
3: I keep hearing Pavarotti sobbing now. <laughs> it's
0: really
2: terrible. I, I keep hearing Pavarotti's a doofus. He really is. It r- reminds me of something that Stephen Baldwin says in The uh, uh, Usual Suspects. Right. Oswald was a
0: fag. Yeah.
2: So, okay, true Pavarotti's story. Pavarotti's a do- doofus, and it also makes me think of Crazy Joe Debola. But good. So actually, true story. When I was in graduate school,
0: uh, and that's when I was discovering opera, I was talking to a woman, uh, another student who was in school with me, and I said to her – because this is how people used to talk back then. It was okay. By way of expressing my displeasure, I said to her, Pavarotti is a fag, and she (laughs) just started laughing, and it occurred to me she was a very openly lesbian woman. (laughs) It occurred to me that she realized what a dill hole I was to just put it that way in front of her. Wait, did
3: she know you knew? Yeah, she knew. Yeah, yeah,
0: clearly. I mean, she was very open about it. I know Joe was a good friend of hers. And for for her, I mean, she was just thinking, Tom, you're talking to someone who's gay and you just called paparazzi a fag. Uh, That's like calling someone a nigger
3: to a black dude in class or something
0: there are certain right there are certain inappropriate times to use words and that's right. one, like it's like a, it's like a Bill Maher's I'm a house nigger bit like dude ouch don't say No that, that was fine. That was no. gone. Oh me my god. Uh, it, it's it my... funny it's not it's just Yeah, I didn't think it was funny. I just felt it just felt yeah, it just really felt jarring to me. Like I'm okay with uh, Colbert's cock holster bit but saying house nigger yeah, that didn't really sit well with well it was he was responding to the never mind no no I
3: understand. Sense, he was so just, right he was just invoking
0: funny. yeah yeah he was invoking this bit about slavery which yeah it didn't make sense it was just kind of out of nowhere and what was the guy he was talking to black no it was a white republican guy from wyoming worse yeah oh that's because right it was the just guy come right,
3: over here and work in the fields like right. that's a hard line to resist
0: i don't know all right it's a tough one all right. Well, Kelly, Juan, I when, support, when you I support show, racism by before. <laughs> all right. Well, when you have a talk show and you say that, you're also going to have to publicly apologize.
3: That's the thing. But it's still dumb. I don't know. Because does it intent matter or context? Like, um, yeah. If but you're trying to make a
0: stupid joke <laughs> as opposed to death all niggers. Well, it's also is like it context, context that matters is you're on national TV talking to a talk public to from Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arthur Jill Jelly says uh, number three, Men in Black. When crazy alien on the run, Boris the Animal, drives his massive motorcycle into Coney Island, a young hippie couple tries to touch it. Boris threatens them when he sees this, causing the female hippie to offer him a flower and say, make love, not war, to which Boris responds, I prefer to do both. All of them burst into laughter and Boris laughs so long and so loud, the hippies stop and stare at him. One of the few amusing scenes in a pretty forgettable movie. Dingus, I think you're the only one on this podcast who's seen Men in Black 3.
2: There's three? Yeah. Yeah. I had Brolin one? I had, to go, I had to go to that with my son. God, what a boring movie. But you remember that scene? No, I don't remember a thing <laughs> about it. The movie was like a laxative.
0: Arthur Ginval Jelly's number two. Jurassic Park, the strange laugh that Jeff Goldblum does when yeah. he first meets Sam Neill and Laura Dern. It's one of the strangest mm-hmm. laughs ever. It almost sounds like a
2: growl, and it's a great way to introduce the character. I don't remember that. Well, Jeff Goldblum's one of these actors. He, he kind of does that thing that it's kind of he uses a laugh as a tick the way that Gene Hackman does it sometimes. Gene Hackman will just go, <laughs> and then go into a line. He's the driver uh, he
3: uses- of Jurassic Park, too.
2: Or the way Brad Pitt uses food. I mean, it's just kind of a tick.
0: Right. Uh, did I mention that he's in say. Mordecai? Who is <laughs> Arthur jilvala number one is a cartoon, so it is disqualified. Batman Mask of the Phantasm. It's a cartoon. And he's basically – I mean, he's bringing this up. This is good, but it doesn't exist in a movie, Arthur jilvala Jelly, so you're in jail. Mark Hamill is the Joker has this great laugh. Uh, yeah, that's true. But, unfortunately, it's not in any movies. We get uh, Heath Ledger. Or oh, we got Heath Ledger. Keith Jack. Leith! Number three, Carrie. As foretold, they all laughed at her, and she found it, quote, vexatious, Keith Leith says. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's
0: not a word I get
2: to see often enough. It sounds like a, a lyric from a young MC song.
0: <laughs> Keith Leith's number two, American Psycho. He writes... Can't a guy get some dinner? No wonder he was so cranky, must have been famished. Bateman is cackled at over the phone by the maitre d' at Dorsia. What is that, that, Kelly I don't remember that.
3: That's the uh, American Psycho, Brad Easton Ellis mythos restaurant that you can never get into. It's like the hottest restaurant town. Right and you need months of reservations before you get to it. So instead he just says that he got reservations there and takes a girl there and just says it's Dorcia, and she somehow doesn't notice. He gets reservations from some other place. She's like, this
0: is as good as I thought. He's all, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Dorcia. <laughs> but when he actually tries to get reservations, the Mater D laughs at him. They laugh at him, yeah. That happens in the book, too. It's the one time
3: he gets laughed at, and he doesn't kill the person.
0: ha uh-huh. like Haha, you read killer. American Psycho. Oh, it's great. I should Don't say, laugh. haha, you read Bret Easton Ellis.
3: <laughs> uh, it's pretty It's a, I, I support that book
0: All right. it's weird <laughs> it's tough read for I'm a sure it's no reasons. less than zero no, fuck that shit <laughs> <laughs> number one from Keith Leith Barton Fink Mr. Maddox Manfred Munt is introduced to Fink and the viewer sonically chuckling Ooh. alone in an empty room I thought he was Ooh. sobbing yeah I thought so too Keith Leith, I might have to throw you in the slammer with Arthur Jovala-Jelly.
3: Or is that a reveal?
0: I mean, I've certainly – one of the things I, is I thought of John Goodman laughs, and John Goodman uh, is iconic in Barton
2: Fink, and I, he's got to laugh at some point. But Barton Fink – He does. He does in the room where he's, he's saying, <laughs> I could tell you some stories, and John Turturro just won't listen to him. Right, but, but when,
0: yeah, when Keith Leith says he's, uh, he's introduced sonically, chuckling alone in an empty room.
2: I don't, I don't think know, there was I, ever laughing. I thought he I think was, it was sobbing, sobbing, too. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Pull over. They're, yeah, we're pulling you over, Keith Leith. We're going to have to call into the station and find out if there was laughing included in the sobbing. So I'm going to have to ask for your license and registration. I have to ask you to wait here while I go back to the patrol car and call it in.
2: Keith Leith also thinks the line is, I'll show you the laugh of the mind.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Fred Bo says, hello, gents. Lynn and I have just one great movie laugh. The hearty laugh. Oh, Fred, Bowen Lynn. This is a good one. I was trying to think of something like this. this is exactly. Uh, he says the hearty laugh of the alien predator as he sets off his self-destruct timer in Predator. Uh, I wanted to murder that part. <laughs> no, that is a good one. Why are you
3: wanting no, to murder that part?
0: Because Come it's on.
3: too anthropomorphic. I want it to be a real alien. Not fucking His,
0: uh, his mouth opens sideways. Is that, not, is that not alien laugh.
3: The, the laugh's not alien. The laugh should sound really weird. The laugh like goes he, through it. Like goes the. The,
0: tra- the laugh goes through the translator on his arm.
3: Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh,
0: like that. Yeah, it's a universal translator. Dumb. Why does he need that? <laughs> people. He just need a fucking translator. I love when Kelly Wan pronounces something dumb. That's all I need to hear. Just dumb. Just yeah. The translator. Nick D, who we made watch Transformers the last night, says he couldn't avoid picking some obvious ones. Here's some quotes. I don't know how to do quotes because I don't know the quote, but he quotes. Um, oh, okay. This has an, M- uh, an F bomb in it. MF bomb. Uh, basically, uh, he says In the diner at the end of Pulp Fiction, John Travolta asks Samuel Jackson if he wants some bacon. They have a great riff about filthy animals, which ends with Sam Jackson admitting that a pig would cease being a filthy animal if he were a charming MFing pig, like ten times more charming than Arnold on Green Acres. This makes Travolta crack up, which is a great, authentic laugh.
2: (laughs) I remember the laugh now, yeah. How does Samuel Jackson's
0: character know Green Acres? (laughs) What? What are you saying? Because he's black, he doesn't watch Green Acres?
3: I don't know, Dubai, people watch.
0: It sounds like something that Quentin Tarantino knows. Yeah,
3: but funny. Sam Jackson seems kind of like a weird, I mean, you know, I mean, if someone's an eccentric hitman. man.
0: Here, here's the way I'm putting it, Kelly Wand. The only way, the only reason that I know who Arnold on Green Acres is, is from Pulp Fiction, from that line in Pulp Fiction. Really? I I know. Know. Okay. Otherwise, you could not remember that Arnold's
2: the name of the pig in Green Acres.
3: No, Green Acres he,
2: rules, bro. But he also goes off to Amsterdam, doesn't he?
3: That's Travolta. Oh, oops. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <That's disgusting.
2: laughs> Do you want to label me as dumb?
0: The Nick max. D's number two pick. In seven, the moment that breaks the tension between Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman is when Morgan Freeman bursts out laughing at the idea of an apartment above a subway line. After that, Mills and Somerset oh. are able to and really start working together without awkwardness. I don't remember the moment. What is it, Dingus? Oh, that's such
2: a great moment. This is from 7. This is a great moment. They're sitting at the table together having dinner and they're talking about the realtor uh, only wanting to show them the place at certain times and being really cagey about it and then this thing goes by and then oh man his laugh is perfect there. That's a great choice because it just it just breaks over his face and it, it could be this weird awkward moment but it's it's them the, for the first time at dinner, and he just starts laughing like, "Oh, this is so sad." But this is what this is the moment where they finally get to bond, and this is why she has brought she is, you know, against her husband's wishes, or even against not even against his wishes, just brought him into their household so that she can try to get them to bond because they're just not it's not happening, and he. And he and he just laughs. And it's this moment of, oh, my God, we're all in this situation right now. This is so sad, but so funny. And they all laugh together. And this is a great one. It's a great choice.
0: Uh, Morgan Freeman, uh, his eyes are always laughing. And then sometimes the rest of his face has to catch up.
2: Oh, man, that's actually not a bad way to put it, because it does feel like uh, unlike the way that you put the, uh, the thing about. Ray, Ray Liotta's laugh, which is, seems to like be this, this explosion, this does seem to be more like an earthquake. It moves across his face. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful laugh. This is a great choice.
0: Dingus, remember how you agreed with me that Seven is a terrible script but a great movie? No. <laughs> anyway, speaking I the of the second part. Uh, very good, Dingus. Nicely played. See, Kelly Wan, how come you can't be that clever?
1: What?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nick D's number one pick, speaking of Ray Liotta, and I like the way Nick puts it uh, in Joe Pesci's most famous scene in Goodfellas. I love Ray Liotta's insanely hysterical laugh. You know they were either improvising or in a zone or something magical was happening on that (laughs) set. On Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Arguably, Coke is magical.
3: Yeah, it is. It's a magic dust.
0: Alexander Burns uh number three batman oh yeah batman 1989 an easy pick joker laughs can be debated over and over and it's probably the nostalgia talking but alexander burns says jack nicholson's laugh is my personal favorite
1: hmm.
3: i don't like how he laughs at his own jokes it seems like a you're never funny if you're that you know
0: well, Alexander Byrne says the movie isn't that great, but the aesthetic is fun, and the Joker's raspy and maniacal laugh certainly came to mind for him immediately. Did Batman ever laugh at one of Joker's jokes? And then they Batman, went, you know what? We're not so different. Laugh. <laughs> I
3: know, <laughs> but that's that, – that, that what the Joker's trying to do? Like, if I can just get him to
0: smile. Is that their – all right. right. Like, that's maybe the Joker's overall objective is just get Batman. Yeah. Out. You're too serious. Number two. Uh, this also has an F-bomb in it, so I can't read this quote, but it's from Blue Velvet. For obvious reason, I have recently been rewatching some Lynch, Alexander Burns says. Probably has to do with Dougie, right, Kelly Wand? Oh,
3: Dougie Jones.
0: Spoiler. And I figured Blue Velvet would have much more laughing in it than it actually does. And, uh, spoiler, Alexander Burns says, the laughing gas doesn't really make Frank laugh that much. No, it just makes <laughs> him angrier and horny. Later on, Jeffrey's joyride, Frank, and his cronies yes. uh, certainly entertain themselves by constantly mocking and teasing Jeffrey with high pitched and very uncomfortable laughter.
2: Yeah, I know which character oh. I am. Here's a good one. Boy, I'm afraid I'm less and less a Dennis Hopper fan. <gasps> Dingus! Sorry. I, I fuck mean, anything that moves. I love him in Hoosiers. I mean, I think he's fine, but watching him in speed and thinking about him in blue velvet. Kind of what? Yeah. All
0: right, Sweeties. Dingus. You now have to watch Apocalypse Now four times in a row.
2: Oh God! Please no.
0: Kelly, Wynne, have you ever seen a movie called? Oh shoot! Dennis Hopper directed it. It's it's this really grim, bleak movie with a young girl. It's basically like Fish Tank, but Dennis Hopper's Fish Tank, and I think it's called Out of the Blue or Out of the Black.
1: No. Do you know what I'm talking I've about? Heard of
0: it. No. Sounds interesting. What year? Oh gosh, oh, sh- it's gotta be 70s, 90 or something. I'm going to actually look this up because I want to know the name of it. I don't know if it holds up, but I remember at the time, really. Uh, he made Hotspot. Let's start yeah. there.
3: That's
2: weird. Didn't he direct that? Yeah. Yeah. What is Hotspot? The, that Don Johnson That Don thing? Johnson yeah.
3: What? No way. He gave us Madsen and Connolly in that movie. Uh, out of the Blue is the name of the Genesis. movie.
0: Oh. Huh. Wasn't that a
3: spinoff of Happy Days about
0: an angel named Random? Everything you said was random. Okay, Okay, this is a great pick. I love this one because I've only seen this movie once, and I think that that is a shortcoming. I need to see this movie again, especially being the champion of Neon Demon that I am, uh, Bronson. Uh, Alexander Burns says, my goodness, revisiting this movie is such a treat, and it's certainly one of Nicholas Winding Refn's best Bronson himself will occasionally narrate the movie, explaining his story to an audience on a stage. His laughter, while dressed as a clown or otherwise, gives a little insight to his character, and you really, really like the guy, played by Tom Hardy, of course. Yeah. Until he abruptly stops laughing and becomes deathly serious. Yeah. And then Alex says, "Thanks, ding dongs." Probably talking to <sighs> you guys. Oh. Yeah, that's a fair point. He mentions at the end. No. <laughs> Dingus, quit screwing up my fond memories of Tom Hardy. Wait, was that Dingus or Kelly Wan doing your bane? What's the
3: scene where he rapes Leonardo DiCaprio? They're hunters?
0: What do you want? Are you talking about the bear in The Revenant? Oh, right. That's
2: it. They've about Inception.
0: What the? That was a bear? Scott <laughs> Wagner's number three pick. Oh, yeah. Oh, I figured voice. so. I, I would have been surprised if this one didn't come up. Vizzini thinks he's just beaten the Dread Pirate Roberts in a battle of wits, which he finds quite amusing right up until the moment he abruptly drops dead. Scott this Wagner doesn't list this, but it's from Princess Bride. He dies laughing.
1: Fact,
0: Scott Wagner doesn't miss – oh, no, no. he do- Okay, this is pretty straightforward. He doesn't mention that's Princess Bride, but the other ones, it's pretty clear what they're from. Kelly Wand, you're proven wrong by his number two pick. The maniacal laugh during the countdown to the explosion at the end of Predator sounds good and has a nice visual component thanks to the alien's distinctive mouth. Mm. Stop laughing at me. I have mud on myself.
2: <laughs> I don't have time to laugh.
0: Uh, See? That character. And the Indian. See? Scott Ar- Wagner's Ar- the Ar- number, Ar- one, Ar- number one Ar- pick. Uh, you... Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's great. Right. So, uh, for, uh, was it Alexander Burns who mentioned Dark Knight? Or, no, was that Nick? Shoot. Who mentioned Dark Knight? Nabbit. Yeah, I mentioned The Revenant. Is that what you're trying to find? Remember? <laughs> One of these yeah, so Alexander Burns mentions, uh, uh, Batman. Oh, is that, is, uh, uh Um, Arthur gilville is in jail now but he's the one that tried to bring up a Batman cartoon for Mark Hamill's Joker. Uh, Scott Wagner has the right idea. It's hard to choose just one laugh from the Dark Knight but I'm going to go with the confrontation in the interrogation room right before the Joker says, you have nothing nothing to threaten me with nothing to do with all your strength end quote. Despite the appearance to the contrary, it is the Joker who has Batman right where he wants him Yeah he just made me miss Heath Ledger. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for bringing the room down. Nice work. He laughs he and he gets electrocuted, too, by Batman when he's going to take the mask off. The Joker
3: does? Yeah. Heath Ledger.
0: About he when he like gets reaches electroc-
3: down. It's after Batman gets thrown out of a car or something, and... He's in the middle of a street unconscious, and then the Joker walks up to him and starts to take his mask off, and he gets shocked by it,
0: Right, and he giggles. He loves it. He thinks it's hilarious that he got shocked. Well, he's laughing, too, and he's getting punched, right? Oh, which makes me think of another good one. Oh, yeah. Dingus, don't steal it. I call Dibble not not for the runners-up. Good. Uh, Mike Cathcart. This is awesome, Cathcart. Narc. In 2002, Ray Liotta and Jason Patrick find a suspect dead by his own shotgun. Liotta pieces together that he's accidentally killed himself while using his shotgun as a bong and lets out this amazing laugh that is cruel, cynical, and hilarious. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I can just imagine the Liotta laugh there. Kelly Wan, Nark from the director of The Grey. What do you think of that? Uh, I don't like that oily taste. but You can get by. <laughs> I prefer uh, a cart. Capcart's picks for number two and number one are also probably some laughs from Fury Road, he says.
2: Oh, jeez.
0: <laughs> I witnessed that choice. <sighs> Very good, Kelly Wand. See?
3: That Chris should Mark- have been R-rated. Yeah. Oh, wait.
1: It yeah, was?
3: See? Yeah, but it didn't make
0: any money, unfortunately. That's because people are idiots.
1: Not because the money. We, bad. No, totally oh,
0: did, did, I did mean, fine. Yeah, see? Deadpool. Chris Markinson, <laughs> three. Oh, that's, so. This is okay. This is this is good, and I feel that it. Well, it doesn't vindicate, but it fits nicely next to my pick for audition. Uh, number three, the Handmaiden. Suki's laugh while her and Lady Hideko are talking about how Suki's mother died is excellent. <laughs> that's good. Beautiful young Korean yeah. ladies. Thank you. Oh, see, very good. You have nothing, nothing to threaten me with. Chris Markinson says, during the interrogation scene, Batman uses enhanced <laughs> interrogation techniques. <laughs> and yeah. the starts laughing. <laughs> uh, Her name is Martha. <laughs> That's not the Batman. Kelly Wan, wrong Batman. Oh, I'm sorry. Batman cool. doesn't whack on tires with sledgehammers to work out. Oh, dude. Such a good way to train. Chris Markinson says, come on, Lou. We really like this place. When, oh yeah very good Chris uh, yeah, yeah.
3: I was thinking yeah. of this one uh, it's that's,
0: that's exactly the one I was just now thinking of and I yeah. presume you're with me dingus when Lou of Lou's tavern starts to beat Tyler Durden up in Fight Club Tyler starts to laugh during the beating <laughs> yeah. that's the thing I wish we'd known during that
3: scene that it was Ed Norton and like had to hear Ed Norton's laugh like for that whole time
0: <laughs> right that's like, what well, everybody in the room the shit
3: oh. of Ed Norton, he's all <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah that's what they're really listening to he's supposed to be freaked out by Ed Norton laughing Chris Webb says, uh, good topic. I have a single laugh to add. Well, sort of. Oops. Chris Webb says he skirted the law and didn't nail down a specific instance. But here's a name that will hopefully spur a conversation. No, Chris Webb, this is fine. It didn't have to be a specific laugh. It could be a person's laugh, and this is a great one. Ellen Page in Super. Yeah probably chris webb says mm-hmm. ellen page in most things she's my pick to play elaine in the seinfeld movie because she has a <laughs> laugh but it's an oh, eyes nice. open laugh with eye contact very charming chris webb says yeah. Yeah. thoughts i think it's i imagine that's directed at you i forget when she does it though it's before gushy right well just throughout she's just so hysterically enthusiastic about everything
3: right, right. but she laughs at really weird shit
0: because she's nuts Kelly Wan, I just watched a movie because of Rain Wilson, because I love him from uh, Super. I really liked him in a movie called The Boy. Uh, I really like him when he's not doing his clown from The Office. That so, little doodle got undid. Sorry, continue. <laughs> but uh, he's in a movie called Shimmer Lake, which you should see. Really? So Shimmer Lake was the other oh, thing I told Netflix. you you had. There's something Shimmer else. Lake? Yeah, Shimmer Lake. There's another thing I assigned you to. to. Oh, Mordecai. Haha, you have to watch Mordecai. <laughs> I told you I watched Raw,
3: right? Raw? Yeah, I watched Raw. Oh, oh Raw, I was thinking raw. like R-A-H. Not like a Raw. Raw. <laughs> I watched Raw while I was eating Spetzel, like this really red, saucy pasta. I watched Raw.
2: That's not so, Spetzel. Look, whatever nerd, Okay. <laughs>
0: Chris Webb says, uh, worried that he might have to get in the good graces of the authorities. He's worried about his Ellen Page pick. No, Chris Webb, that's perfectly good. No, you're But fine. I'll read this anyway. Uh, at the oh, – oh, now see, you got – okay, Dingus. Dingus fine. might have seen this. Kelly Wan, I'm assigning you a third movie. Dingus, you might get this assignment as well. Uh, at the end of Afternoon Delight, Catherine <laughs> Hahn and her husband finally get around to the business of, quote, bumping uglies and the joy and ecstasy and all the things she's feeling are released in the form of laughter. We often see tears of joy, but less frequently laughter. Is that ass to ass? <sighs> okay.
2: Oh, the, I didn't... the beast with two butts. You saw life.
0: Afternoon Delight, right? From uh, Jill No, the woman
2: Two butts? No, I don't think I did, actually.
0: Who's the woman who does Transparent? It's Jill Sulfre or something.
2: Didn't she do... I don't think I did. Okay, well, no, you, I
0: did. I did see it. Uh,
2: it's,
0: it's Catherine Hahn and Juno Temple. Juno Temple is a yeah, 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 prostitute yeah. that right, Catherine writes yeah, with. Yeah. yeah so Jill uh, Jill's soul, Anyway, the girl who does well, girl, the woman who does transparent did this movie with Catherine Hahn and there's there's by the way great scenes of a pantsless Catherine Hahn running around. She's just ew. so unself-conscious. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great bit. Yeah. Uh I love her in that all right, and that Is was she the one that slept with Jim Baker. Kelly, one, she's an actress. She's oh, an actress, she doesn't sleep with televangelists. Hmm. Anyway, runners up, gentlemen. <laughs> right. Wow.
2: Uh, first of all, before we get to runners up, I want to say that the opera that Al Capone goes to in The Untouchables, Puccini. Is Puccini
0: everybody, and pretty much in in any opera movie, it's going to be either the aria from Puccini or or Tosca. Uh, they're 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 totally played out. As a matter of fact, thing is, you might think that's a cool detail. Opera nerds think that Brian De Palma is just being lazy. <laughs> True story.
2: What would you have put in there?
0: I would have tied it in. So let's see, a power a a, a power hungry madman. Uh, what opera would go I might make Al Capone listen to Wagner.
1: Ah. Is
2: that a little weird? Wagner Max. Very 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 clearly Wagner. But Oh, that's
0: uh, Annie Hall. See?
2: Yeah, see. But uh, the thing is he's supposed to be crying during this scene because he's hearing about um he's hearing about somebody being murdered. And at the same time he's in his box and and his hitman comes up to tell him that and he's like, yeah, yeah, and he waves him off you know, here that the job has been done, but he's also crying because there's this, this – yeah, that moment, and he's crying at the same time. And it's supposed to be this juxtaposition between, oh, this mob boss, but he also has these feelings about this opera.
0: You can have feelings about any, any – I mean it doesn't have to be the opera about the murderous clown, though. And by but the you, way, if anybody to, ever – can It can't be
2: Wagner unless it's uh, – what's, what's opera doc? What else, I mean, what else would it First be? First of all, this? that's a cartoon.
0: Anybody oh. who ever tried to talk to me during an opera would get, like, punched. I'd be like, get out of here. I'm listening <laughs> to opera. Don't talk
3: to me. When Pavarotti sobbed, did you stand up and sob back, <laughs> mockingly,
0: like a heckler? Yeah, I boo. Yeah, I stood, up, like I stood up and went, ass. not nice. Doofus. Yeah.
2: Was there a baby in the opera as well?
0: Oh, and then the audience cheered me after I said that. It was beautiful. Bravo! Bravissimo! Uh, There's never quite a full laugh, but it is... It's going to be a laugh and he has to contain it. But Vincent D'Onofrio kind of smirking as Arlie Ermey yells at him and tells him to stop laughing. I just love that playful kind of like he wants to laugh. He thinks it's so funny that he's being yelled at and he's kind of of enjoying the attention. And Arlie Ermey is so frustrated because that's not what he's supposed to be reacting as. And so he just yells doubly at him and it just makes Vincent D'Onofrio smirk even more. It's a really cute sort of feedback loop they get
2: going. That's great. That's a great one. I have one uh, that I, you guys are going to groan at, but I'm saving it for last. All right, I, I totally had the uh, uh, the Vizzini one that uh, one yep. of our listeners had, it, just because I like how absurdly long the yeah. laugh goes on <laughs> before it feels he over.
0: Wally Sean can carry it like that. it's yeah. that can't be easy to laugh that long and that hard and to just cut it off like that. Yeah,
2: exactly right. Yeah, um, the other one that I was entertaining for a while, but when you watch it, it doesn't really hold up that well is, uh, from Roger rabbit with the weasels, the whole joke about the weasels dying because they're laughing. They're laughing themselves to death. Do you remember that?
0: Like they're weasel henchmen or something.
2: Yeah. They're the, they're, yeah, they're, uh, they're Christopher Lloyd's henchmen. Um, we'll hang you and your laundry out to dry. And, uh, <laughs> And he tries to make them, and, and eventually he gets them to laugh themselves to death. And I think, uh, I think Judge—I forget his name. It's not Dread. It's not obviously not Judge. Dredd. I can't remember his name. Yes. It's Christopher Lloyd's character. Um, says, "Do you want to wind up like your stupid hyena cousins?" And so, eventually, they laugh so hard as Eddie is doing all of this, uh, this slapstick stuff that their their souls leave their bodies and. You know, he loses all of his weasel henchmen.
3: Is that possible medically?
2: Uh, I don't know, but if it lasts for four hours, you should talk to your doctor.
0: Uh. And here's the director who will go on to eventually one day give us the walk.
1: Hmm.
0: And Sully. Uh, the, the thing's called the walk.
2: In force Gump.
0: Isn't the walk the the remake of the documentary about the French? I woman? am on a tightrope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ben Foster cast as the Frenchman. I liked that, Kelly Wong. German accent. <laughs> That's the only line of dialogue I remember from it. So uh, dingus, know. your Annie Hall pick made me think of that. Just, There's it, it, just so many over-the-top things. I mean, this, is, this movie is just so much excess. But the, the Rodney Danger, Dangerfield molestation sitcom in Natural Born Killers. Yeah. Like the the bit where the, uh, he makes it like it's a sitcom,
1: yeah. Uh, mm. and
0: just
3: and
1: the audience laugh.
0: laughs. Yeah, yeah. Yikes. Icky.
3: Oliver Stone. Quentin Tarantino.
0: Uh, Isn't that a Quentin
3: Tarantino yeah. script? Yeah. Yep. But he didn't like. He was upset by what Oliver Stone did to it. Oh really? He doesn't like. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, he disowned it. So, What's his problem he, with you know, Oliver Stone? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it was like a Stephen you know. King Shining kind of
2: thing. It's it, it, it's not him. Basically, I wouldn't be surprised maybe. if he felt that way about Tony Scott as well.
3: Oh, I no, guess he likes see...
0: romance. Oh, he did?
3: Oh, that's yeah, cool. he did. I think so.
1: All
0: right. he was pleasantly surprised or something. Well, why? What? Yeah, what would be his deal with? Because true romance him. versus, like, I guess maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, true romance just seems like a much more solidly made. Maybe it's. Well, maybe yeah, that's, that's what Tarantino's just, saying. <laughs> yeah, just just do yeah, the script. Oliver Stone puts all this stylistic excess in natural-born killers. I guess I can understand. Tarantino hates, apparently. But I don't know. Executions, everything.
3: My, my One of my alts was uh, Richard Dreyfuss' laugh in Jaws when he goes, don't tell me, mother. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and eventually, how he has to lose it when, yeah. uh, when, uh, Robert Shaw is like, Yeah, do you know that's that's Indianapolis? Yeah, yeah. let's go. Because yeah. he knows, and then that's why Roy Scheider, who's still kind of wanting to laugh, is like, what, What's Indianapolis? What is that, huh? Good guys, yeah. could you let me in on it? I don't, I, I'm standing over right. here. Yeah, I mean, nah, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that is a good one, Kelly Wand, right? Of course. Yeah, like a huge laugh
3: line. And then it's the next – the thing right after, it's a super bummer yeah. long monologue. About so
0: this is such a little tiny thing, uh, but I can't help but notice this sort of thing. And I don't know – I guess I'm okay with it, but Robert Shaw starts his line a little too early and then stops and then comes back in. Like there's a weird little – that there's a difference between the way people normally talk in terms of like halting speech and stopping halfway through, but there's clearly at that moment when Richard Dreyfus is laughing that Robert Shaw does an aborted start of a line. Like it's a weird hitch that I don't think you would notice if you're not accustomed to like memorizing lines and knowing cues and stuff. Maybe the uh, character
3: would do that. Go,
0: I, think oh, it, I think it's quit. a actor thing. I think it's an actor thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. It's I mean, I love it. Jaws is, of course, a perfect movie with two exceptions, that hitch. And I've never understood the weird shot of the machete in the gunwale of the boat against the water. I don't know why that shot's in there. It keeps Jaws from being immaculate. Instead, it's just perfect. You mean
3: Jaws, the shark from Being Immaculate? Jaws is not the name of the shark. Oh my god! Oh,
0: all right. just that. I'm going to tell you guys. This one almost made sleep, by three till I remembered the obvious Emma Stone in La La Land laugh, uh, Anne Hathaway's laugh as a release of tension after the iconic docking scene in Interstellar. Oh god! <laughs> I'm really, really bummed you saw that movie. To be honest. I just love that movie. I just, the more I see it every time I watch that movie, I like it even more. And the I'm more you really pumped. The more you I, I remember it, but, how lame it was. Yeah, and I'm so bummed I didn't get to see it in the theater, too. I mean, oh my God. That must, you guys can tell, that must have been so amazing in the theater, right? Getting to oh see that God, it Oh my God. So funny. great. Watching everyone yawn right around me. <laughs> just, just jerks. Uh, I'm just all applying that to you uh, proactively, Dingus. I know well, you're going to say something, too.
2: Well, since you brought that up, then I'll say, how about this one? Wait, Wait I'm I done know done that last. Awesome
0: that scene is. What? I'm not done talking about how awesome that scene oh, is. Oh, go ahead.
2: Tell me how awesome but that, that is. scene
0: is. So, you oh, know, they match. just docked the endurance, the Ranger, like Matt Damon just blew himself up, and they've destroyed the endurance, and there's that amazing Han Zimmer music, and just the pacing and the tension, and is he going to get the docking correct? And Tars is trying to help him. Tars. No, And it's not Tards. It's like Kelly Wan made me think that one time. Actually, I think I talked about this whole scene once, <laughs> calling the robot Tards, because Kelly Wan told me that's what his name was. That's and how I work. And all of that happens, and then he gets it docked, and Anne Hathaway just lets out this release of tension, which everyone in the audience is sharing by laughter. It's a beautiful, authentic, natural moment in a wonderful movie. Man will say this. <laughs> Uh, I, so I was looking for it because there are also great bits, as I'm sure you guys remember, about Tars' humor setting. And he's got the 69. Humor, the little humor cue, the little light that lights up. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, very good. Yeah, because the great Bill Irwin. Like, I don't, I don't know why going into Interstellar I really liked Bill Irwin, but I like him just all the more right now after Interstellar. Like, oh, post, come on. Post-Interstellar Bill Irwin is even more awesome, right, Kelly Wand? Po- uh, Post-Bill Irwin stellar. Is that what you're trying to get me you to tell say? Him, what's the Josh Stewart robot named? Which robot? Chappie. Which one? There's two robots. There's Tars and the other one. and Interstellar. Two uh, XL. Merlin. Do it. I knew you couldn't do it. Dingus could maybe do it. Dingus. Garbage what's the Josh heads. Stewart robot name? Printer cable. <laughs>
2: I have no idea.
0: I like printer cable. What were the What were the new uh, Transformers driver. invented today? <laughs> Jumper setting? fax machine Max head? Max keyboard? What was the first one?
2: Keyboard. keyboard. <laughs> That's a keyboard. good word. That was awesome.
0: All right, so Dingus, what were you going to say before? You know, I'm sure everyone needed to listen. Well, really what's wise. the
2: other robot? Come on,
0: Tom. Oh, sorry, Case. And I don't case. know that they ever say what they stand for, but uh, there's an actual... Wheel- well, I think... PCI slot. He's I don't really think you guys sick. know who Josh Stewart is, do you? No, he's, he's, in, great a, on, uh, he's in a series of horror show. movies called The Collector, and there's I think three of these. In the first Collector, Josh Stewart is a down on his luck burglar, as you know, and he's got to do one last job to uh, I think like a child needs an operation or something like that. So he does one last burglary job in a house that it turns out has been trapped. It's like a death trap set up by a a madman, I think. No, wait. It's something like that. Oh, no. It's Home Alone. He's burgling the house while the collector is a psycho killer who's coming in to murder someone, and they set traps for each other. It's basically Die Hard meets Home Alone meets Saw meets uh, Friday the 13th. And there's three. A lot of things I don't like. (laughs) And this happens three times, three different movies, Kelly. I want three collector movies, I believe. We collect other franchises and make it this. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> but the, the, the serial killer is called The Collector because he collects trophies from his victims, you see. Does he collect Reeker? Oh, there's only one Reeker movie. I don't That's know what point. the deal is that. Yeah. Well,
3: the story was told.
0: All right, so as we all know, Case is the other robot. I'm sure you guys remembered. You were like, oh, yeah, right, Case and tarps. Yeah, all right Case Yeager, well, I think, was his name. Floppy oh. Disk was really good in the third one. <laughs> because see the robots are just functional they're like like obelisks they're like like the monolith Kelly I would think you would appreciate that and Mm -hmm. then they unfold and do things as needed
2: they're really good Uh, at swimming for instance
0: they can't swim but they can rescue people from very shallow water
3: it's true Alt F4 was great in um, Revenge of the Fallen as the villain (laughs) If I may.
2: <laughs> so the only other runner up I would have would be, wait, I know that laugh.
0: What, Jabba? Yeah. Uh, oh,
2: oh, oh. Oh,
0: because San oh, Solo's oh, oh. blind. Yep. And that's laughs, how it knows that, that Jabba so the Hutt is there on the sail
2: barge. I Can't believe nobody chose and the Jedi. Uh, mine
0: minor
3: Lucas.
2: hmm I prefer zero funny. It's Lucas.
0: Come on, Dingus. Be honest with yourself. It's Lucas. It's
2: Marquand. Be honest
0: you? with yourself, Dingus. Look deep Mark into Marquand. yourself. Trust the force. I don't know. Did I do something? Yeah. something like Trust your oh, force. How about that
1: laugh?
0: Bojuda.
2: See? Wagu. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. This is a family podcast. I apologize. When did that start happening? <laughs>
3: <laughs> the family gets together Monday morning. All right. Well, Kellywan us hear they
0: thought of Transformers. Let's hear what they <laughs> <thought> of,
1: uh, <laughs> For War the Machine. families out
0: there, Kelly, tell
1: the families <laughs> out
0: there what next week's 3x3 will be. I'm sure they're dying to hear this. They want to participate. I'm sure they do. Uh, so I was trying to think of something
3: anime-proof. Since it's uh, the end of June, I thought of something very topical. Uh, everyone's favorite scene from the Star Wars movie is, of course, the classic uh, metal ceremony at the end. So thought it'd be really fun to do
0: favorite award ceremonies <laughs> for movies. Huh. I've got some gears turning. Okay, Kelly. Yeah. What if what if their family's listening who are like, oh, yeah, I know one. What should they if do? You,
3: if your grandma Juniper has a really interesting <laughs> pick Jennifer. for uh, her favorite award ceremony in a movie and it's not like from an actual words ceremony on TV that she's getting it mixed up with. Senior moment. Have her send it to show her how email works and have her send it to 3x3
0: at quarter to three dot com. Kelly should, Long, what? what if the listeners see Rough Night and have some <clears throat> comments or questions about it when we do the Rough Night podcast next week? Wake up grandma
3: when she goes to see drag her to Rough Night and then make her write things to us about the movie in a separate email, right, Grandma Juniper? Yeah, and say it to her in that tone, so she's really listening. And then raise the hand, or she
2: gets the hose. Whoa! Oh it's Just got dark.
0: It's like Mitt Romney putting his grandma on top of the station wagon when they go on family vacation. Ah. Oh, <laughs> uh, all Mitt right, Romney. so. Ju- he did it with the dog. Uh, join us for the uh, rough night. Po- <laughs> no, Dingus, you're dirty. Join us for the rough night podcast next week, and our three by three of award ceremonies. Uh, if you want to send in comments, we would love for you to do that. Make sure to get them in by midnight Pacific time on July second.
1: Oh! <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Moronsky. Sounds racist when you said oh, vaguely racist. It's Christian Morosky.
3: Vaguely. And <clears throat>
2: Kelly Wand.
3: My favorite Transformer was Mousepad. I'm- So they're Micronauts that can turn into cars, huh?
2: Is it, is it tomorrow yet?
1: I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make!
3: I love how Wahlberg turned into, transformed into Vin Diesel in that movie.
2: This is what the end looks like.
3: Oh. Mm. My favorite Transformers floppy disk.